Josh Williams here, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 42 for Wednesday, February 28th, 2017. Last day of February. Get the fuck out of here, February, you and your little short month dick, uh, <laughs> or short dick month, however you want to look at it, whatever derogatory way to February. And I think, I mean, you know, which is odd because the short dick month is Black History Month, typically known for having the big dicks. Um, so very stupid. I also think that it's a shit month to give to black history because it is the smallest month. Um, watch all of this stuff. Get me in trouble just for my stupid running my mouth off the top of my own goddamn show. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome all of my listeners. Welcome back listeners. Welcome new listeners. And, um, <laughs> I'm going to be talking today about uh, some of the shows that I did over the course of the weekend. Uh, I did a show here in Ottawa right before I left for Montreal and I got to spend a great weekend at the Comedy Nest, which I will go into a little bit later on the show. I also managed to go to Montreal, spend the weekend there and not eat smoked meat. Uh, that was not by accident, but again, we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Of course, I will read your emails and, uh, and tell you some other stuff that I have going on. Uh, we know we got another packed show. So, uh, getting right into it guys last week, uh, still learning the ropes of my new job, really not much to report there. Um, they're being very accommodating with some of the stuff that I've got coming up with my promos and things like that. So, um, nothing to complain about yet. I mean, it's still sales. And as I've mentioned before, I think I'm kind of done with it. I spoke with my friend who got me in there today and I'm like, I'm done. I think I'm done with sales. And he's like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> which was the open receptive response that I was looking for to my whole, you know, I'm just not loving this anymore. I don't, I don't care to, to learn stuff and then unlearn it and learn it and unlearn it. And everything changes every day. You know what? Some people, maybe they're just brains like stockbrokers or something, you know, guys are just like numbers. Is this the same number as yesterday? It's a, no, it's different. Good. Good. I hate when things say the same numbers are good. When numbers change, I get, I feel good. I don't, I don't give a shit about that stuff. You know, like I don't get, I, I get the market and I get that there's people out there who want to do it. And I'm glad that my friend is the kind of guy who after, you know, 15, 20 years still wants to be a part of, you know, sales environment. We need people out there to learn the shit and help us with it. But as for this guy, I'm having more fun in my later years. You know, I, uh, I shudder to think, you know, Hey, I'm middle-aged. And then, uh, and then I go, well, Josh, the way you're taking care of yourself, uh, you, you got a lot of fucking balls on you to think that you're going to make it to 70. Um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm probably in my golden years, you know, we, uh, we portly fellows don't last that long as history tells us. Uh, and I'll get into another fucking thing about that soon, but as it stands, um, I'm just not. I'm just not loving sales anymore. I don't like the targets. I don't like taking my work home with me. You know, I like talking to people. I like helping people, but I, I enjoy doing it more on the promo side where it's like, Hey, come on over here. Let me tell you about this. Why don't you try it out? Was that fun? Well, here's, here's the information on it. And if you want it, you go out in the world and you get it for yourself. God damn it. I believe in you. You don't need anybody else to hold your hand. You got this on your own. So that's some of the shit that I'm, uh, you know, getting into it. I just slam my fucking Apple watch down on the goddamn desk. I get real into my rants, guys. I get super into it. I will bust my fucking watch if it means emphasizing my point slightly more than just the tone of my voice. Um, <laughs> 
What else can I say? I, I, uh, last week I got uh, an app, my good friend, Chris, who has sent us in a novel of an email this week. And I will have some pictures to post while the show is, uh, you know, uploading and editing and all that fun stuff. Um, he sent me uh, a link to a fun new game. So again, guys, I think by now it's like almost every week I'm mentioning that I got new, you know, buying new board games and playing new games. I'm, I'm enjoying them. God damn it. I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, all right, we get it. You tell us every week. All right. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting into the same things that I bought that sit in a box and take up physical real estate. Now Chris has sent me the app versions of them. So once I've bought a game and put it away, now I can buy it again and only play it by myself. Kind of like the games that I've got currently. Anyways, I bought uh, an app called Carcassonne. Very fun game. You just sort of drop tiles down and stuff like that, build a little town. Well, uh, if anybody, if you guys want to download it, we can play. What? What? That's amazing. We could play a game over the internet together. Anyways, uh, got that game and Chris and I have actually been like keeping games going. Like, you know, those stupid games where people are playing like Scrabble or whatever it is on Facebook and you know, you just wait and take your turn. We can't, it's, it's like that. We just got these little background games at Carcassonne going. So I, uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying that. In fact, Chris and I were playing them, you know, I had a lot of downtime this weekend and we just sort of kept those things going. So I'm, uh, I really did enjoy that. And now he's sending me all sorts of other app ones and I I cannot develop a new habit of buying everything that I've already got in boxes here, you know, on, on my iPad as well. Just too much. It's too much. I need a break. I need some space board games. Can you just let me have my own time and my own space and maybe I'll fall in love with you again? Thursday, I woke up early in the morning and started, yeah, woke up early in the morning. I don't even remember what fucking time I got up. I think I got up at like 10 or 11. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It's not important to the story. Point is, is that on Thursday, I was leaving for the communist and I had to pack. Now, generally speaking, I guess most people can go away for three days and they don't really need a whole lot of stuff. Whereas I have got all sorts of things that I need to do via social media and emails and trainings and all that. So I need to bring my technology with me. I'm also... Uh, I was going to say like, I, I'm kind of a bit of a technophile. So like when I pack shit, I'm like, I gotta pack my iPad, my phone, my air, you know, AirPods. I love my fucking AirPods. I wear them all over the place. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I need my AirPods and I'm going to be in an Airbnb. So I want to make sure that, you know, if I am watching a movie at two o'clock in the morning, when I come home from the shows, I'm not bothering anybody else who may live there. Um, just little things like that. So I gotta, I gotta pack my tech. I gotta make my checklists for my, my toiletries, you know, make sure that I bring enough clothes for casual wear and then stuff to wear on stage. So it's all, I don't know if you're like me and you got any levels of anxiety or concern, you know, you, you want to make sure that you got all the stuff you need. And I always end up overpacking, which is a good problem. Have more, you know, and then I get to have the same anxiety on the back end when I'm getting ready to leave and go, did I pack everything back up? Did I leave anything run around looking for all my cords and my, you know, cases for things and stuff like that. Needless to say, I got up a little later than I wanted to and, uh, and started packing and I had a show here in Ottawa at, uh, about one o'clock for Bitheads. Oh, I fucking remember some shit about life now. Um, my, uh, my good friend, Simon, my roommate downstairs on Wednesday evening, when I was working in the job, him and his lovely girlfriend came in and I helped her get a new phone and plan and all that fun stuff. Um, but unfortunately the phone that she wanted to pick up was not available at my store. They drove across the city and went to the wrong store. Didn't end up picking it up, but as a, a courtesy for, uh, for me just helping, uh, you know, again, it wasn't a whole lot of work on my part, but, uh, as a courtesy to help, uh, his girlfriend get a new phone, Simon actually took, uh, myself, her and Kamar, uh, out for dinner to a nice little, uh, Thai restaurant, had me a nice pad Thai, happy guy, you know, that should be, uh, 
That should be the slogan, pad toy, happy go idea. So I, uh, I appreciate that. Simon, thank you uh, again for that nice little, uh, nice little thing. So on, uh, on Thursday, I did a show around lunchtime. Um, and, but before that, uh, I think, uh, Simon's girlfriend, Catherine, uh, got her phone in the morning, dropped it off here. So I remember spending some of the morning, uh, packing whilst at the same time, trying to transfer data through iTunes from one phone to another, uh, for the new one. So that's, I remember it being like a little bit of a concern on, on Thursday when I was packing, I was going, why was I having such a hard time focusing? Cause I was, you know, doing the phone transfer. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a thing, right? So the idea was that I have this show in town. I have to do that. I have to go pick up, you know, uh, spotlight and, and some show gear. So I was like, okay, I got to do this show. I have to basically pack, go to absolute, get the gear, drive to this place, set it up, do the show, drive the gear back to absolute, then get my ass on the road at rush hour and get to Montreal in time to make the show. So needless to say, I got a bit of a foot, you know, metaphorical foot on my neck throughout the process because I didn't want to be late. Obviously that's the last thing that you want. And, you know, both leaving Ottawa at rush hour and getting into Montreal, which has a very nice extended rush hour. If you're one of those fucking nerds that likes, uh, <laughs> you know, deleted scenes and bonus features, there's an extended edition of fucking Montreal rush hour. If you're ever traveling in that area. So it basically anytime after three o'clock in Montreal, your rush hour till God knows when, and they're always under construction and stuff like that. So anywho, um, the show, uh, at, you know, that we did, uh, in Ottawa was great. It was at the same restaurant that I ended up doing that, uh, little open mic spot for Jay. That was a lot of fun. They were a little tech company. So myself, another great comic here in Ottawa, Matt Carter, who I came up with, um, came up with in the sense that's a, you know, we, we rose through our comedy beginnings together. Not like uh, I came up with him, like a fucking idea for a book. Uh, <laughs> we, we came up around the same time and, uh, it was a, it was a good show. You know, it was during the day, a lot of daylight they fed us, which was great because with all the running around I was doing and, and getting things ready, didn't have a chance to eat a proper meal. So, uh, thank you again to the owner, Peter, who was outstanding, uh, hooked us up with a nice meal. Did the show for Bitheads, a small tech company that makes apps and softwares and things like that. They were a great crowd. Uh, you know, hats off to Scott, who was the owner, who uh, just, again, super cool dude, had a good time with us comedians and everything like that. So, uh, you know, good time with him. Came back, you know, got everything broken down and 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 back in time to just grab my shit and hit the road. And actually the, the drive to Montreal was relatively nice. I, I just listened to, you know, satellite radio and some comedy and stuff like that. And, uh, it made the trip very enjoyable. I actually got to my Airbnb. Oh man, my, uh, my Montreal Airbnb. It was a different one this time, same sort of area, a little bit further away from the club, but I figured this place looks a little nicer. Again, they said that they've got you know, private parking. There's only two things guys that I want from an Airbnb, only two things, the rest of it. Well, maybe three, but, but two things that I've been looking for. Actually, I, I apologize. Not that my accuracy is super important because I lose you guys all the time with me stuttering and trying to correct myself. But what I want from an Airbnb, the two things that I select are free parking on premises and free Wi-Fi. Okay. I click on lockable door. It hasn't been as important to me. A lot of places are kind of like, eh, just come on in. Like when we went to Halifax, those people were amazing. They were in the house. We didn't have a lockable door. I don't think not that it even fucking mattered anyways. So I want 
I, I click lock private lockable door, which I think going forward is, is more important to me with a lot of these places sort of being like rental properties. They're not like a guest room in someone's home. It's more of, oh, there's like four bedrooms and each one of them is for rent all the time. So you're more of like in a, you know, hotel hostel environment where people are coming and going. And I'd really like to be able to lock my shit up again, going back to how much tech I bring and whatnot. Um, not exactly looking to have my MacBook, iPad, you know cell phone, all this shit, just, well, I'll have my cell phone with me, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not looking to have two grand just jacked into my fucking room while I go do a show or something. So, uh, I get to my Airbnb and it's street parking again. So the, the one thing that I want, like I said, you know, Wi-Fi, lockable room, street parking, three things really at the end of the day, but, uh, street parking right there. So, Okay. Now, now it wasn't bad. I actually parked the car and I got more active this time than I was previous times on the way to Montreal, even though it was further away. So allow me to explain in Montreal, they have half the year where you can't park on the street, like parts of the street where this half of the year, you can't park here. Then other parts of the street, this half of the year, you can't park here. So not to mention different times of days and everything like that. And they also you know, if I described it in previous podcasts with the fucking ice banks, well, that stuff wasn't present this time because a lot of the snow and stuff had melted. So when I got there, I parked my car in the street and I asked my Airbnb dude, you know, via, via text, whatever, like, am I good on the street right up front? Am I going to have to get up at like six o'clock in the morning and move the car and then go back out in two and move the car again? You know, like was he goes, no, no, you're fine on the street. So I parked the car on the street and I left it there for the entire, you know, two and a half days that, that I was in that area. So left the car there and I walked to and from the club every single show. So that problem solved was a concern at first. Cause again, you know, how parking rules are right. They go, Oh, you know what? Like I've, I've parked in places in Ottawa for what it's worth places in Ottawa where there's no parking signs mentioned at all, right? Street parking right in front of people's houses. Like you go to someone's house, you know, the, like you're visiting a friend's house. And they go, you just park on the street. Now you're gone, you know, four or five hours, go for a barbecue or something like that. You come out and there's no problem, right? There's no post signs. Well, for anyone in the know in at least Ontario, probably my largest listenership, but a lot of places in the world, I would imagine from, from who I've asked is that when there's no sign posted, that means that the parking time limit is three hours. Okay. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's going to give you a ticket, those parking guys aren't enforcing that as much as the cash cow that is like downtown areas and things like that. But if someone calls attention to it or someone complains that a car has been parked for too long, bylaw can come down, mark it, and then, you know, come back later and go, yep, car's still here. It's exceeded the limit. You know, the wheels haven't moved or anything like that. Boom. There's your ticket. And one time when we were at Crystal's house, there's a, there's street parking all around her sort of like little condo development area. And, um, one day we got a letter, we were both living, you know, it's back when we were living together, but we got a letter from the condo board saying that they were coming in to clean out all the parking spaces and repaint everything. Um, so to park on the street, they've already cleared it with the city and it's okay. Um, so we, we listened, we parked our cars on the street, you know, but Crystal was gone that day. So I think that she didn't have to park on the street at all. And when she came home, they were already done everything. So everyone was allowed to park in this space, but we all parked first thing in the morning, like seven o'clock in the morning is when it told us. And the whole street, which normally you never saw any cars on was like littered. Like it was like Sunday church or something like that. Like there was no parking anywhere on any of the streets around there available because this like hundred and something units condos all had all of their parking out on the street. And so 
somebody got upset, called bylaws. When I came out at the end of the day to grab my car and move it back in, there was a ticket on it. So was everyone else. Now, this is again from the condo board that said that they had cleared it with the city and this is where we were allowed to park. There'd be no issue. Well, they never did that. They never cleared it with the city. Of course, I couldn't find, even though we kept it, once I got the ticket, could not find that notice from our condo board saying, hey, it's okay to park on the street because that would have got the ticket thrown out. Um, so anyways, we, we, you know, the next day there was a letter from the condo board saying, so we understand a lot of people got tickets. We didn't anticipate this. Um, if you go to like a tribe, like a tribunal or the justice of the peace and try to get them to throw it out, blah, 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 blah. You know, they may do that for, I think I ended up getting the ticket cut in half, but I was still pissed. Cause I was like, you clearly lied to us and said that you cleared it with the city and, and you didn't, you didn't, you lied and we all got tickets and now you're not going to do anything about it. Cause it's not, you know, quote unquote, your fault or whatever it is. It was, I, I thought it really shitty of their condo board. Anyways, all that is to say that every kind of little, you know, somebody telling me it's okay to park somewhere or whatever it is always has me apprehensive. So despite the fact that I found a spot right up front of the place and that I didn't move it, I, I just double and triple checked. That part was a success, but it, it's part of the reason that I'm apprehensive to park my car on the street and then just not move it for like three days because of that law. So just if that ever exists for you, if anyone hearing that, you know, you're used to going to a friend's house and parking somewhere and then you just decide you're going to stay for a couple of days, just always, you know, double and triple check that you move the car around just a little bit, because that is a rule. If someone got pissed off because you're parked in front of their house for like three days, right? Say someone's in the way of your friend's house, you park in front of the neighbor's house, you know, and just decide, I don't need to move it. Well, just, just keep an eye because they may call by law or get pissed off that you're an eyesore in front of their house, whatever it is. So that's my number one thing that I ask from an Airbnb is just, I want, I want, if I click on pr like private parking on premises or parking on premises, that means that like you have a driveway for me, you have a visitor spot for me, you have something on premises. As far as I'm concerned, street parking is not parking on premises. That's street parking. You'd be hard pressed to find any place where there isn't street parking available somewhere in the vicinity. Okay. That's the part that bothers me. All right. I, I like where, like, seriously, if you guys can think of something, email it in, where are you going to park where you can't park, you know, eight blocks away and walk? Because the last time I was in Montreal or the time, the last place I stayed at when I was in Montreal, I had to park at one point because there was so much of that. Don't park here during this part of winter and ice snow banks. You couldn't, I couldn't drive my car over that. I actually had to park, I think six or seven blocks away and then walk all of my, my, uh, luggage and everything to the car. I was, I was pissed. I'm like, how is this parking on premises when I'm parking six blocks away on the street and I can get a ticket? You know what I mean? So anyways, all that's to say is that step one or, or new experience, number one at the new place, already off to a bad start because it was the street parking and it ended up working out, but whatever. All right. Number two, Wi-Fi, no problem. Wasn't a problem at last place. Wasn't a problem at this place. I unpack Montreal, get my shit together, you know, and, uh, you know, get ready for the first show. I grabbed my key, my, my, uh, host Christian, very hospitable left, uh, you know, granola bars and, um, and Hershey's kisses, just nice little, uh, you know, uh, amenities, bonuses, whatever it is. Um, the room was exceptional, like no complaints. I'm like, great, this is going to be fine. I find my key sitting right on top of the little desk in the room. I'm like outstanding, put the key on the ring. And what do I do first? If you guys were listening to the podcast back when I talked about last time I was in Montreal, having my key stuck in the door and not being able to get it out and actually end up like leaving the Airbnb and driving home just because I wouldn't be able to sleep. 
you know, knowing that there's, you know, other people in the place and my door is not lockable. My key is basically, you just come up, there's the key in the door, boom, you're in my room. Also, how am I supposed to leave and do shows with my shit, you know, not protected? Anyways, long story short, the key, not being able to lock my door or let's just say uh, secure my room was the issue at the last place. So I grab the key, I take the door, check it, door's there, I lock the door. Oh, the door locks outstanding. Perfect. Stick my key in before I close the door and just test, right? Last thing I want to do is want to fucking lock myself out. Key doesn't work. It's stuck in or whatever there is. So the door's still open. I lock it, stick the key in, turn the key. Oh, amazing. It unlocks. Key comes out of the door. Oh, like Teflon. Slippery. Like it was pre-vaginally lubricated and the key was the perfect penis. Everything was amazing. Groovy. Close the door. Awesome. Go to test it. Door pushes right open. Doorknob's locked. Door just pushes right open. The catch on the uh, clasp of the door just was not positioned properly. So the door, even though it was locked, you could just push it right open. So now I run into the same problem again. So even though the key comes into the door, the door is still not secured. So I go in, test it out, opens and closes like nothing. Every single time, close the door, lock it, try try giving a little bit of a slam to see if maybe it would help with catch. Nope. Still just pushed back open. So message my Airbnb guy say, Hey dude, uh, bedroom door won't lock. He's not there. Uh, he lives there, which is a tenant of it, but, um, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to get a chance to get home from work and fix it until tomorrow. Um, and he's like, but don't worry. It's just me there. I, I won't walk in on you or anything like that. I go, no worries. Well, I'm just going to go lock my shit in my car. <laughs> Cause at least I know that locks. Mm -mm. And, uh, and you know, Hey, I'll see you after the show. No biggie. I don't care if someone walks in at me when I'm there, but, uh, we, you know, like I said, with my stuff behind, whatever this story's taking way too long. I'm very sorry, guys. All that is to say the next day they fixed the door and that resolved the Airbnb thing. I had a great time at, uh, at the comedy nest on Thursday night. It was great to see all my friends. Uh, I got to work, uh, all weekend. I worked with, uh, Graham Chittenden. Uh, great comic uh, does a lot of material uh, as of late about you know home renovation stuff like that. So funny, so relatable. Um, really enjoyed working with him. I got to work with some friends this weekend. Um, you know that we're just doing feature spots. I got to see Heidi Foss, uh, Joey Elias, Bob in and did some spots. Uh, I got to see uh, Sean Stenhouse, who I haven't seen in a while, and I apologize. There's some other comedians I worked with. Oh. Uh, I think Sean Hogan was there. Um, just, just an opportunity. I, I don't expect you guys to know all these names, but, but Heidi Foss, Joey Elias, two great, great headliners just popping into the, the uh, middle spots. Always have a great time at the communist and the, the Montreal forum. So Thursday night show went great. I came back Friday morning. I didn't come back Friday morning. I woke up Friday morning. I walked by the way, that's the, that's the thing I, I insisted on doing. So I was talking about the smoke meat thing earlier. I had about a 30 minute walk each way. Uh, from my Airbnb to the communist all uphill on the way, which is a nice little, you know, downhill back, which is great, right? Downhill on the way back is always the reward. So I, uh, I enjoyed doing that. I was good in terms of the health wise. I did not eat smoked meat as much as I l fucking love Montreal smoked meat. It is my favorite meat. I love steak, but I tell you right now, I would happily put a nice steak aside for a nice, uh, Schwartz's medium, Smoke meat platter. Oh God. It's so fucking good. Oh, I'm like, I regret not doing it. I, I, it was good. I did it for health reasons. That shit's not good for me. Um, and I was just like, nope, not going to do it this time. I'm going to, I'm going to cut that out and, uh, and just eat McDonald's at two o'clock in the morning, like a fucking idiot. I, I, on the, on the, on the light, I'd, I'd just get like a McDouble and, 
and a, and a coffee, right? Who doesn't want to drink coffee at midnight on a Thursday? So went back to my, uh, back to my room Friday morning. I woke up and I watched, uh, I had nothing like there was so many things I wanted to do and I just had no energy Friday morning. I played, uh, I played some of those app games with Chris, uh, before he ended up to his work, you know, like a, like a person with a job and ambition. Uh, he, uh, he did that. And I watched Ted two because I've seen the first Ted movie. I watched Ted two. It is on Netflix and, uh, and just stupid laughs, you know, an excuse to not get out of bed in the morning. And then I watched, and I do recommend this. I watched a movie called hot girls wanted. It's, <laughs> it's a documentary. So I can't even remember what I was clicking on. I, I remember I looked at like a sci-fi thing, which linked to like a sci-fi other thing, which linked to an erotica thing, which like, like, you know, when you click on them and it says, you may also enjoy, like I did that like three times, clicked on something, clicked on the, you might also enjoy Then It's, you might also enjoy came up and I clicked on that. And then before I knew it, I had this page in front of me. It was all like porn documentaries. And I watched uh, a couple doc, like I, I watched other documentaries too, which is a funny thing. I won one of the evenings at the, uh, the comedy nest, all of us were sitting there discussing different documentaries that we were watching. And like some of the shit that they have documentaries on is so specific. Like someone was talking about, I, I can't remember exactly, but just as an example, it would be like, I watched a documentary on how like you know, if you hit the number nine on a phone, it can do a bunch of different, like people were talking about like, you know, a documentary on a specific level of a game. Like somebody watched a doc. Okay. I think I remember Graham was saying that somebody, he watched something on people who could do a speed run of super Mario, the very first super Mario game. Like you can, you can play the whole game in four minutes just by jumping and, and like the perfectly mapping out the levels. The point is is that there used to be very few documentaries. Like the documentary would be on, on history. Hey, here's a documentary on World War II. Now it's like, hey, here's a documentary on that glue that they use to seal books together and where it came from. So it's great that we're like in an information age and there's a lot of people doing documentaries on stuff. Some of it seems insanity, but anyways, point is a long time ago, I watched a documentary still on Netflix called After Porn Ends. I don't know how it came up in my feed, not that I need to justify it. And he was going to give a fuck. I watched it. I admitted it. I'm not trying to hide from anything, but I, I truly don't know the path that led it to my screen, but it was like, here's what happens to porn stars after they leave the industry and yada, yada, yada. And what's their lives like? And I was like, oh, that seems fascinating. There's a lot of comedians I know that, that get old and just at some point they have to, they, they stop getting booked to perform and they got to do something. Not to say that I made the instant connection, but it's just like, yeah, sometimes you're in an industry that uses you up. And when you can't make them money anymore, they're not interested. They, they don't do no fucking pension in the entertainment industry. You know, not one that's given to you. It's one that you got to earn yourself, you know, invest or something. Anyways, I watched after porn ends. It was very, very fascinating. They had an after porn ends too. And I watched that one when it came out. So just when I saw this, this thing here, hot girls wanted, it said that it was uh, it was a documentary about the amateur porn industry and just kind of how like, you know, there's, there's some famous porn stars and stuff, but a lot of people get into the industry as uh you know, just as an amateur, they think they're going to be a big star and it doesn't end up happening. Um, it, most people don't end up doing that, of course. So this documentary is all about how people will get into the industry. Like they just apply to Craigslist ads they see and they get into it and they, they, they go hard and they think they're going to be the next best thing and, and how they, you know, like have to promote themselves and, and develop a following very quickly, you know? 
these girls are talking about how like they, they got into it and they're, they can't wait to be like the big thing. But uh, you know, most of the girls are only in the industry for like three, four months. They, they get all these, these scenes and if they don't get picked up, then that's it. They're gone. They all think their families aren't going to, going to find out or know what they do and blah, blah, blah. Um, it was, it was sad. It was very sad. It was very interesting. Like you're seeing the people who are reaching out. There's people who are like trying to escape their lives. They're coming from small towns and stuff like that. And they think this is going to be their big break. It really, a lot of them, it's kind of like, it's just an excuse to get them out of their life that they've got currently. Um, but it, it was really, really similar in terms of stand up. Um, and I'm sure it, it goes into a lot of other facets. The thing is, here's, here's what I mean. And I hope I don't misrepresent. I'm not trying to be like, oh, I just feel like a prostitute. You guys have heard me joke and make that reference. Like, like just last week when I said to Jason that I would, you know, he paid me to go up and do a shitty open mic. I never in a million years, we were sitting at the bar talking about how, how shitty an environment that was. What a terrible place to do comedy. But then when he offered me the money, I was like, fuck yeah. And I, and I called myself, I was joking, but I, to an extent, I was absolutely sincere and, and honest. I was like, I'm a fucking prostitute. I'll do it for the money. You're going to pay me. I'll go up and fucking tell jokes here. I don't give a shit. And, and then watching this documentary, obviously it's this very, very similar. Obviously these girls have it a little worse, but the idea is they're just at some point it's like, Oh, I'm going to be a star or whatever. And then they're going, well, you know, this is great. Cause I make 500 bucks to fuck just to fuck for an hour, you know, and look at all this money I'm making because they're a new face. Right. And, and these people need content and then they start to get less gigs. Like there was one conversation where, you know, this guy basically finds these girls and he makes like a commission, a booker's fee, very familiar with that in standup. Um, you know, he makes a booker's fee and, and all these places, these existing sites, or whatever, go to him to, you know, get some of these new girls or whatever. We need new girls for scenes. So it's just like a booking process. Hey, what do you got for me? I got this person, that person, that person. You want to hire them for the scene? Sure. Let's get them on this. Uh, we'll get them on this website. We'll get them on that website for a scene. This, that, and the other. Sorry, I spilled some of my delicious fucking plum favored Red Bull. I don't really like drinking Red Bull, but, uh, you know, in order to stay mildly awake for my podcast, I am willing to poison myself with, uh, bull semen or whatever the fuck taurine is taurine coming from the root word taurus which means bull or or some kind of of you know taurus is a constellation is it not anyways the 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 getting back to where the fuck i was in that conversation um the idea is that the guy there's they're all living in this house with the guy who sort of brought them in they're answering his craigslist ad or whatever and he doesn't you know abuse them or anything like that but he is kind of like you know, the, what do you want to call it? Pimp or whatever. The idea is like the booker. It's his, it's his stable. So he basically has like a quote unquote talent company. And then these guys reach out to him and what talent do you have? And what talent can we book for these scenes there? That's the best, most professional way I can think of to, you know, and he, he's even like, he doesn't, none of them seem to dislike him or anything like that. He doesn't seem to treat them bad or anything, but at the end of the day, he's like, you know what? Every day a new girl turns 18 every day, a new girl wants to do porn, you know? And then he's just like, I'm going to be the guy to find them and help them get them into it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't condone his actions. Just, this is the nature of the fucking documentary. So, um, he, uh, he's talking with them. They're sitting there and having a conversation and all the girls like welcome the new girls in like it's a sorority or whatever. 
and uh, you know, this one girl's like, Oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. And I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I've been working this and that I'm saving up. I'm going to get my, uh, you know, my implants done. I can't wait to get my boob job. And the other guy's like, Oh, I'm so jealous. That sounds like amazing. And then the guy looks at her and goes, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not getting boob jobs yet. You're not, uh, she's like, what? He's like, look, you're, you're young, amateur, natural. None of that stuff. You're going to be doing like, you know, teens and this and that sites. You're not, doing any of that stuff. She's getting breast implants because she's too old for that. Now, this girl looked like she was 23, 24. And she's like too old for that. Now she needs to, you know, she's got to do like milf porn. So she's going to get the fake, you know, tits to look all milfy and shit. And I was just like, it's like so funny that people are changing their appearance to suit, you know, what the industry will have them do. Um, I have seen comedians do that, not necessarily get breast implants, but just everything from like, how do we amp up your physical appearance. And I don't even mean to like look sexier, whether that be men or me. I mean, just me like, how do we use what you look like as a platform to sell you? So for example, ethnic shows or women shows or nerd shows or whatever it is, it's just going, this is what you look like. And if you want work, make yourself look more that or, or play into that or whatever it is. Um, again, it's, I'm sure there's many facets of it. Like models have to go through the same shit. You know what I mean? And like, look at all the me too stories, right? Like the amount of people in, in the acting that's like, that's are just treated like they're fucking whores and, and everything. It's brutal. It's fucking brutal. It is a sick, the entertainment industry, whether it's the, you know, the right in your face, pornography, dirty side of it, or if it's the fucking shit you don't hear about for 30 years and then just everybody's getting busted, you know, it's, it's out there. It's, it's a real thing. And one of the things that I thought was particularly fascinating about this episode or this uh, documentary was, I think this, at one point, one of the girls was saying how, like, like you could see that she was getting towards that, that little three or four month threshold where she wasn't getting worked anymore or anything like that. And she said like, so I got this call and it was like, you know, Hey, do you want to do like an oral scene? It's only, you know, it's, it's just oral. And she's like, fucking awesome. It's not far. And it's, you know, it's only, it's 300 bucks for oral. That's nothing. And then she's like, and then I got there and it was like, you know, it was, turns out it was a forced oral scene. So it was going to be like rough. And I, I it was really living. And I already was sort of like, you know, like I'd already done stuff and they already filmed some of it. And I was like, oh, I just kind of really like, wasn't comfortable, but I'm like, what can I do? Can I just leave? Like, I didn't know what to do. So I just, I finished it and it was horrible. And then I'm looking at myself and like, fuck, how bad do I need 300 bucks that I'm just willing to like, and that's, that's fucking brutal. Like, again, my heart went out to her. And at the same time, like I, I kind of get that again, I'm not blowing anybody, but I've drove three, four hours, you know, um, in shit weather on a day I didn't want to, you know, canceled something maybe with crystal to the kids to do a show or whatever. And you know, it's supposed to be this, that, and the other, it's supposed to start at this time. It's supposed to have these or those amenities, whatever it is. And I don't mean riders or specials. I just mean like, it's supposed to be in a half decent fucking place with, you know, uh, a stage and a spotlight. You get to it and it's fucking shit. And then they try to give you bullshit about why they can't pay you because they didn't make enough money. And you're just like, again, like I'm not working for a pro or anything like that. I'm working for some bar owner, you know? Like it's, it's at the end of the day, it's not so much the act itself. Like I said, I'm not blowing somebody, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm taking something that I know isn't going to be that good. It's not great money for what I'm doing. It's circumstances I, I wouldn't normally agree to. And then it ends up being worse when I get there. And it's just like one of those, like, Hey, at the end of the day, I want to work with professionals. I want to work with people who are doing it right. Like, I don't want to just take whatever gig I can get 
you know, because it's, it's more money than working a regular job or whatever. Anyways, I can just, you can see where you like, I, I can tell you right now, friends of mine in the industry, um, that are absolutely crushing it. You know what I mean? Guys like K Trevor Wilson, who's an amazing human being and an amazing comedian. He's doing letter Kenny and he's doing Kimmel and he's doing all sorts of big shows all over Canada for just for laughs. That guy's not saying yes to, to driving out to the middle of nowhere and, and, and doing a shit gig for shit money. Like anyways, all I'm saying is that you, the stuff that you're doing at first, you're like, yeah, it's great. And look at all this money. And then eventually you're like, oh shit, I'm not progressing. And the good gigs are becoming like, it's not happening to me yet, but I, I do. This is the worry that I have with stand up. All right. So when I'm talking about taking these shit jobs, like, uh, you know, the source and other stuff that I'm not having fun doing, you know, driving Uber back when I was doing Domino's, like doing all these things that allow me to continue doing stand up. I just, I always get worried that like, how long is that going to last that I'm doing the good stuff? Like, you know, that, that gig I did the other day at Bidheads was great. You know, before I went to Montreal, it was a fantastic gig, but, uh, there's always that voice in the back of your head. Like how long is it going to last before you're forced? I think that's what scares me too. My, again, all over the map, cause my thoughts are, are ahead of my mouth is, you know, how long is it going to last? I'm going to keep getting these gigs. And then these jobs fucking scare the shit of me. Cause I'm like, well, what happens if, you know, you stop doing stand up and you're forced to get one of these shit nine to five, you ain't got no education motherfucker. So what other job you going to get jobs? And, uh, and it's, it's scary and frightening and, uh, and you know, yeah. So, um, I don't know, I guess I, I could relate to aspects of this documentary a lot more than I wanted to. Um, but yeah, I mean, and these people's parents find out everything like that. So all, all I can say is if, if you want to watch something interesting, if you want to see a close up look of how, how the entertainment industry is capable of being very sick and predatory, hot girls wanted on Netflix. Um, I didn't, I, I did enjoy watching it. Um, they had a sequel called hot chicks wanted turned on. It was more about, uh, the digital age of pornography and stuff like that and how it's hurting stuff. I got, you know, 15, it was not, it wasn't as, um, transparent and reveal. I don't know. It, it looked more like kind of just like they were trying to capitalize off the success of the last one with some sort of a different spin. Didn't, uh, didn't catch me. It wasn't, um, they were trying to like bitch about how like people download porn. So porn companies don't get big budgets like they used to. So they have to make do. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry that you have it so bad or whatever. Anyways, hot girls wanted on Netflix. Ted two, Ted two was also okay. You know, I, I didn't find it as fascinating. Again, I, my, I guess it didn't tap into my, my human soul, my empathy and things like that. Like uh, hot girls wanted it. But anyways, after that, after watching uh, those movies, I had a nap in the afternoon. Oh my god, was it ever amazing! I think I got, I think I want. I walked out for. Um, I had some pad thai. I guess I thoroughly enjoyed the dinner that Simon took me out for. Got some pad thai, and um, went back to my con or uh, my Airbnb. Ate that. Had an afternoon nap. I cannot tell you how long it's been since I've had an afternoon nap. I think I slept from like three till five or six or whatever. I, I got a great amount of sleep. Woke up, uh, when the dudes came in to fix my door, got my door fixed all up. Lockety lockety lock Friday night, super groovy. So I left, was able to lock my door. I went and I did, uh, two shows on Friday night at the, uh, the comic. In fact, this is something I did. I'll tell you guys about this because I didn't tell anybody at the time I was very conflicted and I'm going to tell you because it's a good thing that I'm hoping 
you know, that you'll all maybe pay forward or think of something to do someday. But, um, I needed to get, or did I do that Saturday night? It doesn't fucking matter. I, this is something I did over the course of this week. Um, I was getting, getting ready to gas my car up. Yeah. It had to be Saturday because I was gassing my car up, uh, before the drive back. And, uh, I remember I was walking into the gas station. There was a homeless guy, young, youngish looking homeless guy. I got to say he had to be under 40. Um, but, but right around that area, he didn't look like, you know, crazy old or whatever. He looked like a younger dude. He might've even been like, like early thirties, but I'm walking towards the front and he goes, Hey man, you got any spare change? And I said, sorry, buddy. Uh, I don't have any change. He goes, well, I take bills too. And I said, well, that's a good policy. <laughs> that's a good policy. And a few other people around laughed and stuff when I said that, um, even he smiled. Um, I wasn't trying to be a dick. I didn't have anything for him. I don't hate homeless people. I'm not one of those people who's like, don't give them anything. I just, you know what? It, it's outside. It wasn't, uh, it was one of the colder evenings. Um, and so I, uh, I was like, you know, I just, I felt bad that I couldn't help him out. And I, this, this was the part that made me feel bad is my comedian sort of, you know, I wasn't mouthing off at him. Right. But he's like, I take bills too. And I go, it's, it's a good policy. Um, so, but because a couple people laughed and even he laughed, I, there was that part of me was like, fuck, did I just like, I hope I didn't make him feel bad. And I hope I didn't make him feel like anybody was laughing at him. Um, that would have happened regardless. And what I did, I would have done regardless. Cause I'm a good person. But, um, part of me, I saw something and I think I may have mentioned this and if I did, I'm sorry, but I saw something on social media, uh, not too, too long ago about how all these people go to offer help to third world countries and stuff like that and participate and whatnot, but they always take these, uh, photos, right? These selfies of themselves with all the kids. They put themselves right in the middle, like, look at me and I'm helping these kids. And, um, and people were saying that it's like exploitation. The kids don't understand that they're about to be featured and shown off the context of that. They're about to be showed off like they're lesser. And it's not like, Hey, we're having a picture and we're having fun. Let's take a picture with each other. It's like, it's to like push up, you know, white people who are like, look, I'm making a difference. Look at these impoverished people and the help that I'm making. You put yourself right in the middle. Like it's all about you. Um, so they said that's so like, if the, one of the things that they said is look, if you're trying to help people, don't make it about yourself, do it for the person. And so I. I did something and I didn't tell anybody when I was in Montreal, you know, I, I wasn't trying to pat myself on the back. You know, my, my first knee jerk was like, Hey, I just wanted to like say, Hey, just did something nice for somebody. Da, da, da. And I, and I go, yeah, but that really is, you know, like, why do I need to tell anybody? I did the right thing. The world is that much better a place because I did that. Why do I need to tell anybody? You know what I mean? And I know that your guys are like, well, you're a fucking idiot. You're saying it right now. I'm, I'm telling you the story. I'm hoping it makes an impact. I did not tell anybody, uh, in Montreal what I did and I kept it to myself until now. And the only reason I'm sharing it now is just to maybe inspire not to give myself credit. I'm a giant piece of shit and I'm always fucking hypocrite. Anyways. Um, when I went inside, it was one of those gas stations that had, uh, had a Tim Hortons built right into it, a coffee, coffee and donut shop for anyone who doesn't know what Tim Hortons is. Um, and I just went up to the counter at the Tim Hortons and I just said, Hey, if I bought Jesus, sorry, hiccup. if I buy a, uh, coffee and a donut. I go, all your donuts are the same price, right? I go, if I buy a coffee and a donut and I go give the receipt to the guy up front, can he come in here and, and pick like, I could buy any donut. I could, and I could dress a coffee anyway, but I'm like, I'll give him his choice. You know? So I go, if I buy the coffee and the donut, can I give him the receipt? He comes in and, and you let him pick whatever donut and, and dress his coffee, however he wants it. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. So that's what I did. I bought the guy a coffee and a donut. 
I went outside, I handed them Racine, I go, I'm not, this, I'm not joking, this is a real thing. I go, I bought you a coffee and a donut, but I didn't know what you take, I don't know what donut you want, so go in, take this receipt, so she knows, she's expecting you, I, I spoke to her, take the receipt, go in, get yourself a coffee and a donut, I hope you have a good night. And he's like, thanks a lot, man. So um, so that's something, very small gesture, cost me what, three bucks, four bucks? You know, it's not a big deal, but you know, instead of ignoring, and, and fuck, there's so many people, homeless people, and I'm not saying fuck about them. I'm saying the people who just like walk by them every time a homeless person asks me for change or anything like that, I still, still, still every time show them the human decency of saying, I'm sorry, I don't have any or can't help you. Somebody speaks to me. I, I'm not going to just walk past them. Like they don't fucking exist. I don't know what their motives are. I don't know if they're legitimate or not. I don't know how bad they've had it. So I just find it incredibly dehumanizing when people flat out ignore homeless people. Do you think that you're fooling them into thinking that, that you didn't hear them? You know, that action of just ignoring them, like they're not even there, you know, just say, sorry, walk by, sorry. Just, just the acknowledgement that they exist is a, is a courtesy that I can't tell you if I was in that shoes, the embarrassment, like I said, I know there's a lot of them that don't need it. A lot of them are wasting your time fucking around. I know that, but in the chance that there is that person who is in need and who is just hanging on to fucking hope that they're going to be able to pick themselves up or whatever, it doesn't hurt for your, your drops in the grand Canyon of ignorance, just walk by them. Cause every one of those fucking little things might just erode them that much. I don't know. What am I saying? All I'm saying is, I still acknowledge them and I try to do something nice when I can. This guy seemed young enough. Uh, I, I just thought, you know what? It's cold. He's standing outside. Um, he was polite. He was, he was dirty and scruffy. Like he, he was, but he didn't seem that old. Uh, but it just, he went inside, he got a donut. I was pumping my gas. He came back out and he had a donut. He, he raised the cup to me and, and yelled, thank you across the lot. And I said, no problem, man. I hope you have a great night. You know? And he goes, or I said, yeah, have a good night. He goes, I'll try, you know, and Hey, fuck it. Like that may be stupid on me to say whatever. 46 minutes in this podcast. I've barely scratched the surface of what we have to talk about. I apologize, but thank you for listening to me. Hey, you can always tell me, usually I'll just glaze over a movie or glaze over something. Um, but I've had, uh, I've had a lot of, a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about that second amenity on my Airbnb, right? How funny is that? I'm like the first thing I like to have, and then just going to 6,000 stories. Um, but anyways, they got the door fixed for me. Like I said, the guy fixed the door. So that was good. But it seems like every time I go to Montreal, can't seem to get a private parking spot. Can't get, can't get a fucking bedroom door that locks. But, um, Christian was great. My host and, and got everything fixed. Remember, he was very, very happy on Friday night after the shows. Um, I had a, uh, I had a joke I was going to tell and I apologize guys. Cause I talked to so many people in a week and I tell stories and stuff. And I don't know if I told them to people or if I told them to you guys, but um, when, when my, my coworker, Josh made me do all that bumble stuff and, and okay, cute, but just trying to get myself back out there with the Tinder apps and everything like that. Um, there was this thing that happened where he was like, just swipe right on everything. When I was, when I went on the back into the dating scene, I don't, I didn't really want to find anybody, but I was missing that human companionship. Right. I think I mentioned that. And even my friend, uh, 
uh, Red was like, oh, you know, fuck that. You don't have to label everything. Just every people's looking for companionship. Well, I think that's what it was. So I got some of those, those apps. I tried Tinder. And of course I was only swiping right on nines and tens. Um, the, un- the unobtainable unicorns basically. And I wasn't getting a single match, which is fine. I, I, what do you expect? Right. I know what I look like. And, and, and would I, what would I even have in common with a nine or 10? Just have a conversation with them. Do you think they, do you think they know particular hardships? You know, probably not, probably not regardless, no matches. And I joked with Josh. I was like, I was like, dude, I haven't got a fucking single match. And he goes, well, what are you swiping on? I go like, he goes, oh, he goes only the hot chicks. And I go, yeah, pretty much. And he goes, well, that's why you need to swipe right on everything. And he, so he swipes right. And of course I, you know, you run into swipes on Tinder because there's a certain amount you can do per day or hours or whatever. And he goes, and here, download Bumble. He goes, give me your phone. And he sort of swipes right on everything on Tinder, downloads Bumble. He goes, this is unlimited swipes. He goes, you swipe right on everything. He starts swiping right, right away. And he goes there. So you got five matches right away. He goes, you're going to, you need to do this just to get your confidence up. So here's what I did guys. Um, I actually wasn't having any confidence issues. I was just laughing that I hadn't got a single match. I go, not one. There's not one beautiful one out there who sees my face and thinks, ah, you know what? Fuck it. Maybe he's a nice guy. Let's have a conversation for fucks. Not even willing to have a conversation with me regardless. Mm. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I do the bumble thing. I get five matches right away. He was absolutely right in terms of we'll get matches when you swipe right on everything the matches I got and know that this, this knee jerk reaction thing that I said, I'm ashamed of myself for saying now, but at the time it was like pain and hurt and just frustration. I got like four, five hundred pound women, um, responding to me. Um, I know I'm not a prize, but I feel like I'm worth a little more. And I don't mind. I'm going to get some of those things. Thank, thank God that those women are willing to talk to me. I think it'd probably be even worse if it didn't. But here's the thing. I only got exclusively, um, <laughs> this is how I phrased it at the time again, because I was frustrated. I was also just joking with my coworkers as I felt like I was getting exclusively ones and twos. I'm like, here's the thing, guys. Uh, you, you know, you said this would raise my confidence. I go before I thought that, you know, I might draw the eye of a five, a six, a seven, but because I was only shooting for the moon, I'm not seeing any of it. And I can tell myself that nice little denial and go, oh, you're only going for the hottest of the hot. No wonder you're not finding any matches. Well, now I know for sure that the eight, nine, sorry, eight, seven, six, five, four threes are not interested as well. Cause I was not like, I remember at one point looking at Josh and going, dude, can I, can I get somebody responding to this? That's eyes point in the same direction, at least like what the fuck is going on with this? In fact, I, again, I said this and I, I wasn't trying to be a dick. Well, maybe I was, maybe I, I think I was just frustrated and, and it's, it's rude. It was rude of me and I'm ashamed I said it, but I'm still going to tell you guys, cause that's what I do. I make mistakes and I share them with you guys is I was looking at one picture and this girl was taking pictures of herself. She had pictures of herself standing next to cows. And I said, is that the only thing that she could find so that in the picture she'd be the skinny one? Like that's, <laughs> it's not funny. I mean, it is funny. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. It's fucking funny in that whole, like, you know, how someone finds up someone less attractive to stand next to. And it's like, oh, I'm the hot one, you know, or I'm the thin one. Uh, that's what popped into my comedian's brain at the time. Again, I wasn't trying, I didn't say this to the person. I wasn't trying to be a fucking prick. You know, that's a real person with feelings and everything like that. They're putting themselves out there. And I, in my heart of hearts, when I'm calm and, and empathetic, I know that. Um, but when I'm out on the fucking dating world, 
not that I'm, you know, I put myself out there too. And I, I had someone who I, who I was in love with, who I think was, you know, uh, when I was with this person and I, I'd be lying if I didn't stay, I still sort of felt that way. I was with somebody who I thought was one of the most beautiful people in the entire world. You know, um, ugh, the fuck I'm falling apart. Is that what is it? I'm going to say it's the Red Bull talking. Can you blame something stupid on Red Bull? Um, I, I was really attracted to the person that I was with, uh, both physically and emotionally. And then you just, you, you have this natural thing when you look at everybody. everybody's a fucking stranger. And then on top of that, you know, uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. I was, I, I was not happy. I wasn't happy to see what it was worth. Like this is, I, I almost want to write a bit uh, and I'll tell you why I'm just yakking about this. I will get to a fucking point. Don't worry. Is the, the way I felt is like, you ever have a car that you own and you bought it new or something like that and you go to trade it in. And you go, that's got to be worth at least this or that. It's got to be worth at least that. And then they ask you a bunch of questions that take the information and then they tell you what they're going to give you for it. And you go, that's way less than I thought this car was worth. That's been my experience on fucking Bumble and Tinder. The, the results I'm getting, I'm going, are you fucking, I thought I was worth at least more than that. At least twice what you're showing me, you know? Yeah, I'm not, it's not going to get me a brand new fucking Escalade, but for Christ's sakes, you're going to give me a rusted Saturn. That's like, anyways, the, the fact of the matter was I wasn't trying to be a prick. I was just disappointed by it. So I tried that joke one time on stage, nothing to do with the car trade-in, just the idea of, <laughs> I want to write that down. That was a show note. Just anyways, um, I, I tried it out and, uh, and naturally the crowd laughed at some parts and turned on me and others. Why? Because I just called human beings ones and twos and, and it was rude. And I, and I, I admit that and I atone for it and I'm getting it off my chest now. I won't have to speak of it again, but, um, I remember I was on stage talking about, you know, me trying to, you know, being single and trying to get back and I go, you know, uh, there was a couple in the front that had met on Tinder and I was just chatting with them and I go, Ugh, I can't, I can't do the fucking Tinder bumble thing. I go, I had something, I go, I, I can't tell you guys, you'll fucking, you know, you, you won't like it. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, no, you, you need to trust me on this one. I've done it once before. You will turn on me. No, please. I go, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I go, I'll tell you guys. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I go, no, no, no. I mean, like, I'll tell you after the show, stick around after the show and I will tell you this story. I go, but as it stands, you don't know me well enough yet and you will fucking turn on me. So anyways, that, uh, the shows went great. And after the show, five or six people stuck around to, uh, to hear the joke. And, uh, so we actually, there was uh, we, you know, I told them we were standing out there chatting. We ended up chatting for quite some time and, uh, right next to the comedy nest, it's in this like old sort of mall forum it used to be a hockey arena. Um, right next to where they are is a big, you know, sports gaming bar or whatever. So, uh, so we went in there. I was like, Hey, you guys want to have a drink? We'll, we'll chat. Went in there had a drink, chatted for a while. Um, they were great people. In fact, one of the guys, how funny is this small world? I'm in a different city. One of the guys that I'm talking to is married to Simon's cousin. How about that? My fucking roommate. I'm talking to his cousin's husband. Um, they did, they only just happened to be coming to the show. And it wasn't until we were talking for like 45 minutes that eventually they let drop Simon from absolute comedy. Oh yeah. He's my fucking roommate. Are you fucking kidding me? Simon's your Anyways. So, uh, had a great time chatting with them. We chatted about all sorts of different things. We talked about, you know, relationships and things like that. Cause it was a part of my act. Right. So talking about relationships, we're talking about different stuff and, and different, you know, things going on. We ended up, you know, chatting they kicked us out of the bar. It was so lately. We stayed there for so long. We're, we're leaving the forum. 
uh, we were locked in. So we had to get security to let us out. We're standing outside on the, you know, the corner for like another 25 minutes, just having conversations about, you know, uh, geez, Montreal and all sorts of, it was a great time. I loved the fact that I got to sit you know, and, and just chat with, with fans. And then of course we moved to a different venue, which immediately takes away the mystique of like, wow, the comedians chatting with us to just, we're just a bunch of people having a conversation in a bar. And that was, that was great. That was my Friday late after the show. Wow. Almost an hour. And I'm barely through the weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I gotta say a great time. I got up Saturday morning. I packed up, uh, I went for a nice walk, got myself some breakfast. Um, and I, uh, I remember I did, uh, I did a podcast in the af- afternoon, my buddy Pentelis, um, super dude, uh, it's called the Pentelis podcast. I don't know when the episode airs. Um, I will let you guys know as soon as possible. I will, I will link it to one man podcast, uh, social media. So, uh, great opportunity for you to like, follow, subscribe, whatever the fuck it is to Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, I'll post something there. It was a video podcast. So I met him at a studio and we sat down, we had a great fucking two hour long conversation. I don't know if the, the episode is going to be edited. Um, so that means like, I don't know if he'll take the two hours and edit it down to an hour. We had a really good conversation. I, I really don't know, you know, if it ends up being an hour, no, there's like two hours. I can't think of a part of that conversation that should have been cut out. It was, it was two hours because we were having such a good talk. Um, but super stellar dude, you know what I mean? We got into like shit. Like we, some of the stuff I talk about in this podcast, it was nice to have another person that's, you know, kind of telling me what it's like in Montreal going through like a lot of the social justice warrior stuff, whatever. Um, long story short great conversation. Great dude. Like we chatted for a while before we chatted for a while afterwards. Um, Pentelis is a stellar dude. I will tell you more, uh, about the Pentelis podcast as soon as I know more, but I had a great time on Saturday sitting down with him, uh, and having a conversation, um, did the two shows at the comedy nest on Saturday night. They were, they were both outstanding again, great crowds. I had such a wonderful time. Um, so thank you to David Acker, the, the booker. And of course, all the comedians, Graham Chittenden, the, the headliner who did great. Um, I just had a great, uh, great Saturday. I came home on, uh, like late Saturday night, did the same thing, poisoned myself with Red Bull. Uh, I really do think it's poison, but what the fuck do I know? So poisoned myself with Red Bull and, uh, and drove home. Mm, this is good though. The plum one doesn't even taste like uh, horse semen or whatever, bull semen, that weird sort of like lemony, sugary, what the fuck am I drinking? Y taste <laughs> that regular Red Bull has, um, yeah, Sunday I got up a little late, took my, uh, took my mom for lunch. We went to uh, Joey Lansdowne, had a good time. Um, ended up, uh, you know, picking up a Groupon and I'll talk a little bit more about that. I think we actually spoke about, it's funny. A lot of the conversations that we had in the green room at the comedy nest in Montreal ended up influencing other things that, uh, that I had going on. Like I said, all the documentaries talk and everything like that. We, uh, I picked up a Groupon for something. And, uh, I got a gift for someone with a Groupon, so I can't really just let it go here because they will hear, but, um, something about Groupons is, do you guys remember how Groupon started? Did any, does anyone, if you don't know what Groupon is or was, what Groupon, when I figured out what it was some years ago, it was like you, you would have a business and you'd want to promote it. Okay. So what you would do is go like, well, what's the best way to get some, some good advertising for our business? you know, but not like lose a shitload of money on it. So what Groupon was, was it would allow, and the reason they call it Groupon is you had to buy it like a large enough group. 
So for example, the first Groupon I can remember ever remember getting was for a place called Hintenberger. Still around, still very expensive, but it's like um, it's all named over different areas around Hintenburg. And the idea of the the Groupon was it was like okay, so these are like fifteen dollar burgers. You buy the Groupon for like seven bucks, and you get a, a Hintenburger and fries and whatever it is. And the regular price is like eighteen bucks for all that shit. So great deal. But in order to get that Groupon, you got to buy it. But like, let's say 500 people need to buy that Groupon in order for it to be valid, right? Because they're taking such a hit on it that they need to at least sell the volume of it in order to make that deal plausible. So Groupon will take half of what you like, half of what you actually buy the Groupon for. So basically they need 500 people to buy it. So the Hintenberger can make 350 per person, which should cut the costs you know, of the, the product down enough so that at the end of the day, what the, the merchant is getting is they're getting free advertisement for their, their business. So instead of having to go out and just spend the money and then you kind of get it back with whatever customers are going to come, you go, Hey, come try our product for a ridiculously low price. And that drives traffic to it, but it only becomes valid when you sell enough of it. Well, what's happened to Groupon over the years and actually happened pretty quick was that now, instead of it being a bunch of local businesses that are selling their stuff and you have to buy a certain amount of it to work, now it's just a bunch of businesses lying about how much their product is worth. Because here's how, how Groupon works. Um, Groupon insists that you sell your product for, at, for absolute minimum 50% of what it's worth. You can't sell it for any more than that. That was the way that it was for a while. If it's changed and I'm wrong, Groupon, fuck you. I don't give a shit. Um, but at the time, last time I looked into it, that was how the rule worked. Now they've got like Groupon online and you're buying all this shit online, but you'll go on there and you'll see something like teeth whitening in your area at such and such teeth. And it says like regular price, eight 99 on sale for two twenty three, And it's like, if you go to their website and look at their pricing, the pricing as is, is like two twenty three. You know what I mean? So basically it's like that Canadian tire thing where they say that everything's always 80, 90% off and you know, and like, you're like, no, it's not. That's the regular price. And then you go in and it's the regular, like the, the no discount. Like basically if you buy anything at Canadian tire, you're paying three times as much for it because they're just trying to give the illusion. Like their shit isn't always, you know, on sale or whatever. But long story short, Groupon has really devolved into just another online e-commerce thing where you're buying shitty cords and it's lying to you telling that, that, oh, well, the price of this is this much. It's, it's the, cause the way it works is if you're a merchant and you're selling something, you have to sell it for half of the price that it's worth, uh, supposed to sell it for half the price worth. But then here's the thing. You're selling it for 50%. Well, that 50% that you get, 50% of that goes to Groupon, right? They get half of what you sell it for which is I think bullshit, but so basically you're a merchant and you're selling your product for 25% of, of the regular cost. Well, that doesn't work. That's a really shitty amount of money. So you jack up quote unquote, what your price is worth so that it, it fits in that you get your 50% or whatever it is by the time you're done with, with Groupon. So it's really default. I liked it when it was actually a good deal. It was actually in businesses that, you know, were in your city. Now you're buying shit for different cities. Like you go on Groupon. I remember I started to notice it fall apart when I would go on Groupon and it was like trips to Spain. I'm like, what? You know, this one's six, six thousand dollar trip. Now just $14.99. I go, I'm pretty sure I could find this trip for $14.99 if I looked, you know? Uh shit. So Alex is messaging my new buddy. 
I'm going to say the name of this book and you guys can do it too. The Plant Paradox. So that was a conversation Alex had. My, uh, my buddy Alex at work has been vegan for eight months and we had a conversation about that today. But even being vegan, there's issues. Um, I told you guys about the docu, uh, that documentary thingy, you know, that, that infomercial on YouTube I watched about how there's shit in plants called lecithin or something like that. And it's like a poison. So even if you go like completely vegan, you can eat fucking tomatoes and cashews and, and beans. And there's all sorts of poison in that. Anyways, that's what we were talking about today. And the book called the plant paradox talks all about that, which I purchased recently. Anyways, moving back to what I was saying. So yeah, fuck Groupon is what I'm saying. I have actually gotten to the point now where when I see something on Groupon and it is for a, for a local business, I will actually call that local business and say, Hey, if I come to you guys and just buy it there. Will you honor that same deal? And they go, yes, here's the reason why they get all of the money instead of having to split it with, with Groupon. So if you felt like being a good person to one of these places that you see a deal at, feel free to just reach out to them and go, Hey, if I just come to you, can I get it for the same price? Cause that way, at least you're giving the money to the business instead of this company that's directly fucking, you know, businesses and, and making it more convoluted and difficult. All that to say, I bought a Groupon on Sunday for a place and got uh, some friends, some gifts with that, including my mom. And then we went to go see a movie. What movie did you see, Josh? Well, if you follow us on social media, you already know, but I went to go see a movie called Game Night, which I did not even know existed. Hadn't heard anything about it. Hadn't seen any trailers, anything like that. Um, we were coming back from doing the usual, taking her, uh, my mother to get groceries and errands and things like that. And, uh, and she was just like, Hey, you want to go see a, a movie later on? If you don't have anything going on. And I was like, sure. I don't think I have a whole lot tonight. Um, which is bullshit. I always have work to do, but I'm fine with procrastinating. And, uh, so we just looked up Cineplex to see what was playing. And I saw this game night thing and I was like, oh, what's this? Right. Cause I'm a fucking board game idiot. Um, and I clicked on, uh, clicked on it. We watched the trailer and it was actually funny. Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams. And, uh, they're just like the couple that's basically goes to this game night with their friends and, uh, Basically like, so whatever, I won't give you the fucking trailer. Cause you can look at the own trailer. I'll give you what I thought of it. Um, I ended up Googling it first to see what rotten tomatoes was saying about it and actually got 80%. So that very, very high for a, a comedy. Um, it's about a couple that meets at a game night, like a trivia night, whatever they fall in love. They become, you know, they're very competitive in game nights with their friends and, uh, you know, they just, they're just doing their thing. So. Uh, Jason Bateman has a brother who he's been very competitive with. His brother decides that he's going to host a game night and, and it's going to be, you know, the most intense game night and they're hiring actors and someone's going to get kidnapped, but they don't know. And then these guys bust in and they kidnap his brother and, and they're all just like, wow, this is really real. Like they're beating the shit out of them. And they're like, wow, this is really real. This is, you know, they're just enjoying it, eating chips and dip watching. And then they end up dragging the guy away. And it just turns out that it's, it is, it is real a real kidnapping that they misunderstood. And it's just, you know, comedy ensues. Um, lots of great characters in the movie. Very, very funny. Um, you know, it, I, I don't know how to, to describe it. I don't want to spoil anything and give away any secrets or plot twists or who done it. Um, but I really enjoyed it. The, the humor was very, you know, couplesy in terms of just the, you know, Rachel McAdam and, uh, and Jason Bateman's characters, just very, very funny. Um, so yeah, like you could tell they're, they're, they're competitive and, you know, I, I enjoyed the movie. My mom loved the movie. I actually ran into, uh, you know, my buddy, Brendan McKeegan and his, uh, his lovely fiance, Jade, um, 
So bumped into them. And then I bumped into whom I just texted via my phone, Alex. Um, I bumped into him on the way to movie and he went to go see the Natalie Portman Hunger Games. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> All I know is that there's a movie that looks like the Hunger Games starring Natalie Portman. Uh, cause she's running around in a weird fucking world with a bow and arrow. So, uh, yeah, he, I don't, I think he just said it was weird. So I don't know what it was, but, um, if anyone's seen the Natalie Portman hunger games, that's what I'm going to call it. Um, <laughs> let me know if it's any good hour and seven still haven't finished my week. Let me know if this is the worst or best podcast, because I've been very descriptive. Um, anyways, I had a good time. And then yesterday I went into work only to realize in the morning that I did not work yesterday. So that was weird. My schedule changed without me. But the good news was that I ordered a bunch of board games last week and they done did a did arrived. It did before uh, on Friday, but I was not here. I was in the Montreal. And so I done diddly, uh, went down to the post office and picked them up. I came back and I opens them up. Lots of pretty ass board games, lots of fun stuff. I can't wait to play. I will not trouble you guys with all of the ones that I got, but lots of fun stuff, simple card games, lots of big complex motherfuckers. Went out to a goddamn board game store, bought some sleeves for those some bitches. All right. I went to Staples, had a few little boards. I was worried somebody might spill something on in a games night. I got them cocksuckers laminated. That's right. $3, best goddamn $3 I ever done did spent. Um, they don't have Staples in the South. Yes, they do. Um, <laughs> point is, it's just, I feel like a god dumbass redneck. A god dumbass redneck, goddammit. You know, get these goddamn card games, board games feel like a fucking kid. You know what I mean? Take that money, spend it on something important. You can buy yourself a bunch of goddamn Groupons with that shit. Nope. You're going to spend it on goddamn board games like a goddamn five-year-old. Fuck is wrong with you? Is it a cry for help, Josh? You trying to tell people you can got nothing better to do with your money? Sitting here working these shit jobs? Fucking sourcing pizzas saying you got to make ends meet, but you buying goddamn board games? Doesn't make fucking sense, does it? Doesn't make any goddamn sense. You look yourself in the mirror, you ask these fucking questions. Right? Because why do I got to put on a goddamn voice, show up, interrupt your podcast? Lord knows who I am or where I'm from, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to fucking ask you questions. You don't ask your goddamn What the fuck is wrong with you? Sitting here drinking Red Bull, poisoning yourself so you can sit and tell a bunch of anonymous people your fucking problems, stupid things going on in your life. I think I'm done with that right now. Um, <laughs> that's how it feels. That is, uh, if you've ever wondered, hey, what goes on in Josh's head? That's it. Me questioning myself. And all of the decisions I make, uh, usually in my own voice, you know, but it's a, it's a lot less threatening when someone who I feel is intellectually inferior asks me, you know, it's like, <laughs> look at the pretty kitty asking me why, why I eat too much. Why do you eat too much, Josh? Why do you do it? You know, you can go to Montreal, you avoid the fucking stuff, the, 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 the magic that you want, the smoked meat, just to turn around and eat a McDouble at two o'clock in the morning. You don't need that. Anyways, Jesus Christ. Is anybody still listening? <laughs> so yeah, I went into for the, the thing I, I, I played around with my fucking board games. I actually, uh, recorded a podcast yesterday with a really good dude. Um, somebody I've known for years. His name is Jeff Tangay. He is the man behind the curtain at absolute comedy. He's the day manager. Um, he is also a standup comic, or at least he was a standup comedian and he is uh, and as long as I've known him and for long before that is a very accomplished musician. Um, Jeff's music is great. It's, it's really rockabilly, whatever I, I recorded the episode. I'm not sure if I'm going to get it out on Friday. 
Um, I have to, I already edited all the, the, the music clips and things that I played from his band. Um, but I've already edited those in. I just need a, a high res, uh, headshot. And I'm just not sure if I'm gonna have enough time to do all the work and stuff like that to get it out for Friday. But, um, Jeff is a great musician. The, the music clips that we play initially, let's put it this way. It's so far back that he started, uh, writing music that the only clips we can get of the first two songs are actually uh, from YouTube. Those are the only places that those exist in a, in a format that I can actually put onto the show. So it's like much music, you know, street VJs throwing it to a, to a song. So hopefully by the time I f- send it through Alphonic, it will sound better. But anyone listening to that episode, please know Jeff is, is a great comic. He's a super musician. Uh, he's gonna be him and his band. Um, the, uh, it's actually called the, uh, town criers. They will be playing at blues fest this year for anyone who knows what blues fest is in the Ottawa area. It's a very big music festival. Um, he's in a band called the life-sized men, but it's funny. They did like a, a reunion band or sorry, a reunion show for the, the town criers man. He was in, you know, years and decades ago. Um, they did a reunion show and ended up doing so well at that. They got booked for, uh, for blues fest this year. So anyways, um, his interview is going to come out. It's just a fun talk about him doing stand up, uh, you know, his music career and, and what gets him going for songs and stuff like that. And, uh, we play some tunes. Um, but yeah, I recorded that podcast yesterday. Look for that coming out either this for, I want to have it out for you guys Friday, but, uh, if not, I'll have it out next week. But, uh, but also just, like I said, bear through some of the audio issues in terms of just not the greatest clarity. Hopefully again, like I said, off will clean it up. Um, but the songs later in the episode are off of albums, off of, uh, you know, Apple music and stuff like that. The sound outstanding. Um, so I hope you enjoy that episode. And, uh, I mean, in terms of the stuff that's happened at the week, like, like I said, I wanted to mention, I did get my shipments. Um, yeah, I, I was going to talk about this as I don't think it's a big deal, but do you guys, do you guys order a lot of packages? Like Jason orders a lot of packages. I order a lot of packages, just stuff off the web or whatever. And they sometimes like, I guess I like the fact that they drop the shit at the door so that you don't have to go to the post office and get it. You come home, you miss them by an hour, you come home, your shit's here. And at least here we usually have somebody home who'll get it when it comes. But you know, when you order like a lot of stuff, like, like I, I got some stuff delivered today. All right. I had to go to the post office to get the board games. Thank God. Cause there's a reasonable amount of money, you know, in those boxes, but I've ordered stuff before where, you know, like I've ordered posters right? There's a couple years ago, I got Crystal, these really nice, just photography posters or whatever that as gifts that we're going to have plaque and stuff like that. And I remember they came in a card, like a triangular cardboard box, just enough to, to roll up and stick it in. And the, the post guy left it outside in the rain, uh, not even in a covered area. Like he could have stood it up by the door or something like that. He just left it right, like just right in the front, you know, walk on the, like, you know, on the welcome mat kind of thing in the rain. And I'm like, they, thank God they weren't ruined. We opened it up and they were like glazed posters. Like they had a nice, you know, uh, glossy finish to them. So they didn't get ruined, but it was just one of those, like, dude, you don't even know what the fuck is in there. And you just leave it out in the rain to get rained on, you know, like there's no effort on this. I don't know. Does that ever happen to you guys? Have you guys ever had anything ruined because it was left out? So I just, I feel like there's something more that they should do to give half a fuck or just have a box of bags, right? If your box is big enough. You know, if it's a small box or something, like I said, like kind of like a tube or whatever size to just throw it in a plastic bag and leave it there, you know, transparent. So you can see what it is. It's a fucking shipment, but at least you go, oh, at least they gave half a fuck. It's raining outside. They're going to ditch it so that they don't have to do anything else. No paperwork. Just, just throw it back. Whatever. I can't solve the world's problems. That's it's a pain in the ass. And last thing I can think of this week, um, his, uh, Kevin Smith's heart attack for anyone who doesn't know, 
For anyone who doesn't know who Kevin Smith is, Kevin Smith is a uh, filmmaker, made a lot of great movies, best known for his on-screen roles as Silent Bob from the Jay and Silent Bob movies. Well, Kevin Smith, uh, he's done a lot of other great stuff too. Uh, you know, Dogma, Clerks, uh, what's what's more recent that he's done? Uh, Zack and Mary Make a Porno, uh, Jersey Girl, those are all Kevin Smith movies. He's done a lot of, I mean, uh, there's so many I haven't mentioned, I apologize, but um, you know, has a has a show on AMC called Comic Book Men, um, podcasts out there, like like he's, he's a busy guy, but he's, he's overweight ish. He's in a lot better shape than he was when he was younger, but, uh, but Kevin Smith just had a massive heart attack. Now he's alive and well, but, um, every time this is, this is something I want to talk about. Every time a large actor or comedian has a very serious health thing, it's usually they die. In this case, it was just Kevin Smith having a heart attack and, and glad he's still around. But every time a celebrity dies, a fat celebrity dies or, or has a health scare. Everybody tags me in posts and messages me and everything like that. And thank you for giving a shit about me, but I just fucking hate. <laughs> it's like, yes, I get it. I'm fat. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for caring. I'm aware that there's health ramifications that come from it. I don't need every time a fat fucking actor gets, you know, sick or whatever, or dies that you need to be like, but Josh, you too, right? Fuck you. I love you for thinking of me. You don't need to fucking tag me in every goddamn anyways, whatever. Um, I'm glad he's okay. And I'm, I'm working on it. All right. I'm trying, I want to be around too, guys. As I mentioned off the top of the show, I'm aware I am beyond middle age now. You know, when I was young and I was afraid of death, I was able to be like, man, I'm only like 15, right? I got so much life left. I am not that age anymore. And with all the stuff I've done to my health, uh, Jesus, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to be around forever and, uh, I'm working on, on trying to make my stay a little longer, but, um, uh, thank you for thinking of me, everybody. Um, <laughs> the thought about the magazine, want me to stick around, fucking pay my rent so I could just go to the gym all day, every day. You know, where's my personal chef? And I'm just joking. Um, so yeah, that was, that was the week for me guys. Um, I had a great time in Montreal. I I've enjoyed, you know, just watching. I, that's what I like about going out of, out of town now is, uh, it gives me time to be able to just sort of maybe relax a little bit and, you know, watch a documentary or do some walks and stuff. I, I feel good after my weekend in Montreal. Um, uh, yeah, the smiles back on my face, you know, uh, Good for Kevin Smith for being alive. And uh, yeah, and we move forward. Guys, an hour and 20 minutes, and we're just now getting to the sponsors. Who are the sponsors this week? Well, as always, my friends at portablepress.com. That's the Uncle John's Bathroom Readers this week. I'm reading uh, from the edition Uncle John's Factastic Bathroom Reader. And uh, since I couldn't find any inspiration or theme, for this week's article, I actually went with the article called you're my inspiration. Most of the bathroom readers start with this and it's always, always the same write up. It says always interesting to find out where the architects of pop culture get their ideas. Some of these may surprise you. So Chewbacca, when star Wars concept artist, Ralph McQuarrie showed George Lucas, his early sketches of Han Solo's companion, Lucas didn't think the character looked alien enough. He showed Macquarie an illustration of a tall furry beast from a 1975 short story called and seven times never kill man. Uh, 
that beast ended up as the basis for Chewbacca. The story, the sorry, the short story's author, George R.R. R. Martin, who would later create Game of Thrones. So there you go. That came from the uh, illustration came from a George R.R. R. Martin. So George R.R. R. Martin may have inadvertently created Chewbacca as well. Uh, the minions, the unintelligible little creatures from the Despicable Me movies are a combination of the Oompa Loompas from Willy Wonka and the Char Chocolate Factory, uh, the 1971 Gene Wilder version, and the Jawas from Star Wars. Flo, the progressive girl. Played since 2008 by comedian Stephanie Courtney, the progressive insurance spokeslady was based on a 1960s Comet Cleanser ad campaign that featured Josephine the Plumber, played by actress Jane Withers. Pavel Chekhov. The two TV shows debuted, or sorry, two TV shows debuted on NBC in 1966. The Monkees, which was a huge hit, and Star Trek, which had trouble finding viewers. So for Trek's second season, a new character was added, a Russian ensign played by Walter Koenig, uh, or Koenig, sorry, his purpose to appeal to teenagers just like the Monkees' Davy Jones. Both characters are young, foreign, and have a floppy beetle's mop top. Pokemon. In this video game, first created for the Nintendo Game Boy in 1995, players have to train species of Pokemons to fight other Pokemon teams. The game was conceived by Satoshi Tajiri in 1989. His inspiration, as a kid, he used to collect insects. The name is a contraction of Poketo and Monsuta. In, uh, in quotes here, it's uh, pocket monsters. Um, and finally, E.T., the extraterrestrial. Director Steven Spielberg told his design team that he wanted an alien that one, no one had ever seen before, and two, only a mother could love. Results, E.T.'s body is based on a snapping turtle embryo, his, his behind was inspired by Donald Duck, and his facial features are a combination of author Ernest Hemingway, poet Carl Sandburg, and Albert Einstein. And of course, the resemblance is uncanny. I mean, if you look at E.T.'s face, you go, of course, Einstein, Hemingway, and Sandburg fucking idiots. Anyways, I, I don't, I don't even know how that looks like all of them, but tis what it is. And the running feet for this particular one says the brain is the fattiest organ in the human body. It is about 60% fat. And that my friends is uncle John's bathroom reader for my partners at portablepress.com. Uncle John's bathroom readers, uh, tons of different, uh, additions guys. There's all sorts of fun stuff that you can get out there. You guys fucking know this, you know this. All right. I'm not telling you anything new. Um, and as always, my partners, of course, at Absolute Comedy. Absolute Comedy is the best live stand-up comedy from across North America with locations in Kingston, Toronto, and Ottawa, Ontario. These comedians have been featured on Just for Laughs, Netflix, Comedy Central, CBC's The Debaters, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Conan, The Comedy Network, and much, much more. Go to absolutecomedy.ca to see this week's lineup. Planning a night out is easy with dinner and show packages available at all locations. Live comedy is a great choice if you're organizing a celebration, fundraiser, company outing, or corporate event. Want the show brought to you? They'll send comedians to your venue with performances tailored to your event, creating a night of laughs your guests will love and won't soon forget. So for showtimes, ticket prices, gift certificates, special shows, and more, head to absolutecomedy.ca. Again, that's absolutecomedy.ca for the best live stand-up comedy from across North America. And we're back. Um, one of the things I found out, I actually had my, uh, my, one of my partners, uh, Petter from Summersby show up today and give me a little resupply there. Thank you very much to my partners at Summersby. I do appreciate that. And I got news. Mm -mm. 
been a long time since you've heard me slip Summersby, and you still haven't. That was me drinking the Red Bull poison. But there is a nice can. You hear this? I'm going to drag the can. Oh, yeah, right across the mic. That is a can of Summersby Semi-Dry, which I plan to thoroughly enjoy once this podcast is edited and uploaded. I'm going to drink that and sail smoothly off to sleep. But the sugar's going to shut up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I found out today that Summersby has a new flavor coming out. Oh, boy. And I do not. Uh, I've been told. But I don't remember if I got permission to tell you guys yet. So just know that apparently they also have some other big news that they've got coming down the pipeline. But as it stands right now, there is a new flavor of Summersby, a flavor very, very exciting that I cannot wait to taste. And I will tell you guys more once I get the big thumbs up that I can tell you. But as it stands, please enjoy the regular information I have on Summersby. The sun gives life to the orchard. The orchard gives life to the apple. The apple gives life to Summersby. Summersby is a delicious sweet taste of sunshine imported across the ocean all the way from Denmark. The people in Denmark are smarter and so are you if you drink Summersby. (laughs) With flavors like apple, blackberry, pear, elderflower lime, red rhubarb, and a taste as regal as this fake accent, there's something for everyone to enjoy. And now you can try them all in the Summersby Mixer Pack, available wherever fine beverages are sold. So go on and try for yourself the crisp, refreshing taste of Summersby. (sighs) Your taste buds deserve it. Please drink resplendently. And finally, my last sponsors, my last but not least, DK Books, Dorling Kindersley. You guys know my partners at DK. In this last week, I, I meant to bring a book with me to Montreal and I forgot I was, I, you know, there's no good excuse, but you guys know how much I love my, my partners at DK. I talk them up all the time. God damn it. I got shelves upon shelves of this stuff and I love it. I love it. It's fucking addictive. But, um. Uh, one of the things I will mention, so, I mean, you can't go wrong with DK. You guys know this. I've said it before and I will say it again. They marry imagery with information. It is the best infotainment books that you can get. And they have tons of stuff. Whatever's right up your alley. I guarantee you DK has a fucking book about it. All right. Like I said, I've been getting into the scotches. I now have two DK amazing scotch books. I got regular whiskey book and I got the fucking single malt scotch complete guide, man. I am so jazzed about these fucking books. Um, I have uh, a lot of the self, uh, you know, the self, uh, I don't want to say self-help because it really isn't. It's just great perspective stuff. I've got the, uh, what is it? I've got the love, the stress, the success. I got these great books. I got the happiness, the mindful way. You know what I mean? I got the, the how it works series. I got the big ideas simply explained. What can I say? It's amazing. And speaking of the big ideas simply explained, explained, blah, blah, blah. When I was at Costco doing errands with me, mother, I happened to notice that the, uh, the big idea simply explained series now has paperbacks out and there was, there's a reasonable amount of them at Costco. I remember seeing at least the economics book, the politics, philosophy, and psychology books were all available there at DK, uh, sorry, at Costco from DK, um, and very good price too. So if you happen to have a Costco membership, that's right. It means you're doing something right with your life. Walking around without a Costco membership. It's like not having health insurance. Uh, I'm trying to think. It actually, you're more likely to have a Costco membership than fucking health insurance. Anyways, 
not health insurance, life insurance. That's the one. Health insurance is what they say in the States. I'm an idiot. The point is, if you have a Costco membership, you should have these goddamn DK books because you go in there, you see them there. All right. Nice, easy primary colors for you to fucking pick out. I have posted them before. Josh, what series are you talking about? You go to the goddamn Instagram feed, Facebook, Twitter. You find the big ideas, simply explained series that I posted. My shelf is packed with them. You look at those and you go, ah, those fuckers. I'll find those at Costco. You will love them, guys. They're they're amazing, amazing books. They're great resources. So just again, as an example, the economics book, philosophy, politics, psychology, religion, science, sociology, you know, uh, business the history, there's all sorts of different ones. So the idea is you take something like that ton of information, you cram it into a book and you get a really big overview of everything. And and of course there's bibliographies in it as well too. So if there's a concept or something in there that you really like, and you want to get even deeper than they have, you have uh, resources that'll tell you, you know, well then go read this or go read that great books. So Big idea, simply explained at Costco. I hope they have them at all Costco. It's not just some little pilot store, but um, you guys know I love DK. I will have another book read soon and a review for them. But as always, I'm happy to have them as partners here on the podcast. I love those guys. And coming up this week, I am going to be trying to do some fucking taxes. I'm still trying to get my 2016 taxes finished or two, yeah, 2016. Um, I, I work at the mobile shop. got a couple ship, shifts there. I'm doing some conference calls for a pet promo that I'm doing on the weekend. Uh, on Thursday, I'm doing another one of those tastings and I can't remember what, what product we're trying, but we're doing that. Um, my buddy, Chris is coming over on Friday night. I got a big, long email to read from Chris coming up in just a few moments, but, uh, He's going to be in town and, uh, his family's off doing something that he is not going to be doing. So him and I are going to get together. We're going to, we're going to play some video games. We're going to play some board games. We're going to be a couple of fucking nerds and, uh, and have a good time. I'm looking forward to, uh, to spending time with my buddy. Um, like I said, yeah, Saturday, I got a pet event. Also don't know what that is. Uh, and Sunday, Monday, I'm working back at work again. So I don't really have a whole lot coming up this week. I got, you know, a little bit of things here and there. So who knows, maybe I'll get myself into some hijinks, some hublas, some adventures and have some fun stories to tell you guys next week. Or maybe I'm just going to make fun of, of, you know, um, obese people like myself who just try to take a chance at love, you know, maybe I'll get into some happy adventures and happy stories. Maybe I'll watch another documentary about people's lives falling apart and somehow try to attribute it to mine. (laughs) The point is I, uh, I'm looking forward to the next week of my life. Here's to not having a heart attack, knock on wood. And, uh, and that's about it guys. I'm going to read your emails. Now, if you have anything that you'd like to email in, if you'd like to give me a written finger for wasting an hour and a half of your time, you can send that to contact at one man podcast.com. As always, I want to hear from you. All right. I just spoke for an hour and a half. I have zero confidence that any of it was interesting to any of you, but I'm still going to do it. So contact at one man podcast. Tell me how your week is going. Tell me what pisses you off. Are you still buying shit from Groupon? Is there any apps or anything like that, that you thought were great and they just totally dissolved and decomposed into shit? You know, how about them bucket lists? We haven't talked about anybody's bucket lists in a long time or any pet peeves or any of those other fucking segments that we tried to, to get some legs under, you know, I just want to hear from you guys. I actually am very excited. Uh, I will read something shortly, but I actually had some people reach out on YouTube. I stopped, um, posting the episodes on YouTube only because I had to all of a sudden start re, uh, 
re what saving reformatting some of the uh, audio so I could put it into like iMovie so I could upload it onto YouTube. It just became this giant process. And here's the thing: when you watch me on YouTube, so if I ever put this episode up and there's someone listening to it on YouTube, if you watch me on YouTube, um, first off, there's no video, so I don't know what the fucking point is. But I don't get anything from those views per se. Because here's the problem. As much as Monkey Junk is my partners, and I absolutely love those guys, and I have a written license from the record company to use their music as my intro. Um, I put it on YouTube and YouTube's like, yeah, we can't, mo- you can't monetize this because there's a copyright issue with the music you're using. And I'm like, okay, well, they're in this episode for two minutes. I talked for two hours and that seems ridiculous. And it says that if there's any, ever any monetization, let's just say that I get, you know, I get 10,000 views and they want to advertise on the podcast and pay money or whatever. Um, that money will go to Stony Plains records, which is the uh, record company and not me. So they get the money because I use them for two minutes, even though I have a license. So I've disputed the copyright claim and you know, they're like, if you have the rights to it, you can dispute and click here and there. I go, cool. Click there, blah, 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 fill out all their shit. And they go, eh, it's still been declined. So I will never make any money from the YouTube channel because of the intro music. Now, yeah, I can cut it out, but it sort of just changes the dynamic. You know, I, I love those guys and I love playing their music. I love other people hearing it. Um, you know, and it's just kind of the, that's the, that's the vibe. You guys know what's coming when you hear that tune. Um, whatever. The point I'm getting at is I can't use their shit on YouTube. Um, for other sponsors and for metrics and stuff, um, when you watch on YouTube, it doesn't count as a download. It doesn't count as a subscription, anything like that. So it also doesn't help my numbers in terms of getting more partners, um, to, to advertise in the podcast to of course, make this more lucrative, right? At the end of the day, if I can make this podcast, my, uh, you know, my business as well as comedy, well, then I can put more effort into this podcast. I can spend more time going out and having adventures and stories and, you know, Maybe sit down with a professional and go, Josh, you need to stop talking about this, this, and this, and start talking more about this, this, and this, or do it like this. Or, you know what? Hey, maybe one day we'll even turn this into a video podcast, you know, and I'll have guests. So you see me chat with the guests, then maybe the YouTube thing will matter. At the end of the day, I don't give a fuck about YouTube right now, but, but because I stopped posting videos on YouTube. I've actually started to get some messages from people saying, Hey, listen to the podcast. Why did you stop? I liked it. Keep, keep uploading episodes, you know, like keep going. Like a lot of people think that just, it just stopped. And that was nothing. There was episodes up until a few months ago. And then there's, there's no more podcast. So people are like, Hey, I really like this. And you know, people I don't know. So I thought that was really cool. And someone even reached out to me today. Um, and I'm going to, uh, to read his, uh, his email in a few moments, but, um, uh, I thought that was really cool. So I'm, I'm actually getting people reaching out from other parts of the world who, who are not friends, uh, who are like, Hey, when I guess there's sometimes where I wonder who listens to this, if I just stopped doing it, would anybody give a shit? Um, so, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see that one aspect is like YouTube, the people who were looking at it on YouTube thought that it stopped and thought that it ended. So it's almost like, you never, you ever, you ever wonder like, geez, I wonder what it'd be like to be at my own funeral, you know? to just wonder what people would say about me and, you know, would people miss me and would they be sad and all that shit. So that's kind of the, you know, a very small whisper of that is just to see like, Hey, if I stopped doing the podcast, would anybody give a shit? And, uh, and the people who don't know this exists elsewhere seem to be like, Hey, why'd you stop? We enjoyed it. Keep going. And someone said that keep going. Your views will come up soon. I swear. Just please keep making them. I was like, okay. So I, uh, I, I will start posting on YouTube again, you know, fuck it. We'll just get people listening. Hopefully they get excited or whatever. Um, but anyways, into your emails, guys, one last time, contact at one man If you'd like to share anything, if you'd like to, you know, make an impact on the subject matter, 
please send it in. And to illustrate said point, my friend Chris has written in a goddamn full page fucking board game explanation. I'm, I'm excited. I haven't even read it. You know, usually I'll, I'll give these a quick read as I'm switching them over to the show notes, but I haven't even read this one uh, yet. So let's find out what my good buddy Chris has sent in. Hey, Josh, I've got a new game to talk about. It's called seven wonders designed by Antoine Boza in 2010. Um, it at one point was said to be the most award-winning board game. As the title implies, players are competing to build up their civilization and ultimately complete one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. The Pyramids of Giza, the Colossus of Rhodes, the Mausoleum of Halicarnassus, uh, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, and the Temple of Artemis at uh, Ephesus. Ephesus? Whatever, I got it wrong. Fair warning, at no point in this game will you feel like you're actually building anything. This is a Euro game and like all Euros, they are more about the fine, uh, sorry, more about fine tuned gaming mechanisms and less about thematics. Really, you could paste any theme over this game and it would still be great. That being said, let's get into it. Seven Wonders uses a card drafting mechanism similar to Sushi Go, which you, Josh, have brought up on the podcast before. Everyone gets a hand of cards. You select one, <laughs> sorry, you select one on uh, one and lay it face down on the table, making certain no one else sees it. Once everyone is ready, you reveal the card and then pass the remainder of the cards to your right, receiving a new hand from your left. This goes on until there are two cards left in everyone's hand, at which point you choose one and discard the other. Score end of round points, then do it all over again. There are three separate decks representing age one, two, and age three. One deck is per, sorry, one deck is used per round. Once age three is complete, the game is over. Simple. Before any of this happens, however, everyone will pick a small player board that represents one of seven wonders of the world. On those boards uh, will be one resource, which you will be able to use with each new hand of cards you receive. From the left and three to four spots on the bottom of the board where you may place a card face down instead of face up as you usually would. This represents the construction of your wonder and will also unlock an ability that you can use. All right, my eyes are starting to roll back in my head because I'm not seeing it, I'm just reading it. So if I'm if I'm making it confusing for anybody else, uh, I apologize. So let's, let's, let's full steam. Okay. So again, drafting a card, you pick a card pass and it happens three different rounds, age one, two, and three. And then you've got some other cards that you, you draw ahead of time. So the cards you will be playing are resource cards, gray and brown, which are necessary in the construction of most other cards. These cards are only available in the first and second age. And with new, with each new age, the cost to build increases. So try not to pass on them, uh, so try to try not to pass on too many of them. Unlike Catan, which a lot of us should know, uh, your resource cards can be used over and over. So instead of the card representing wood, it represents a forest or a mine or a factory. All right, I'm following. Uh, all that will produce one good per what? Oh, one good like goods. Okay, will produce one good per fresh hand of cards. If you need three stone but only have one quarry card, then you need to find alternate way sorry alternate ways of getting the other two stone. There are two ways of doing this. One is to buy a stone from your direct neighbor to the left or right, providing they have stone, uh, for $2 per resource or yellow cards. Ooh, look at the way you did that. Moved right into the other cards. Yellow cards, which represent money, commerce, trade, etc. Some may just give you a one-time five coins, while others allow you to get free of charge one of the seven resources of your choice. This is the other way to acquire resources you weren't following, if you weren't following. Oh, I was fucking following, buddy. Um... Blue cards 
Are statues or gardens or fountains or any other pretty thing that might define a civilization? They are purely worth victory points. They have no other purpose. Groovy. Green cards represent academics. I won't have any of those, you know, because I'm a fucking... Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> each card has one of three scientific symbols and score points based on a complicated math uh, anomaly that seems to scare the shit out of everyone. Yeah, me, it probably would, me too. So no one, no one plays them. But believe me, they can be worth a ton of points. So you're best to collect them and worry about the calculus afterwards. <laughs> Red cards. Show off your military might. In the first age, military cards have one shield on them, two in the second, and three in the third. This is your strength, and as long as it's greater than your neighbors to your left and right, you have nothing to worry about. At the end of each age, you will compare shields with those neighbors, not worrying about anyone else at the table. Whoever has the most shields will receive a token worth one victory point for each person they defeated, uh, one from the left and one from the right. Those who were defeated receive a negative point. In the second and third age, the bonus points for victory increase to three and five per token. However, the negative tokens remain at negative one. At the end of the game, you can amass... Uh, sorry, at the end of the game, yeah, I read that right. Uh, you can amass 18 points if you manage to consistently pummel your neighbors. If you choose not to go the military route, the worst you'll receive is negative six points. So don't feel compelled to go all out Rambo. There are many other ways to get points. Finally, there are purple cards. These are called guilds and the only, and sorry, and are only available in the third age. All they do is give you bonus points for accumulating so many of the other cards. Uh, there is even a guild that gives bonus points for the negative military tokens you've received. So Josh, I know I just made you say a lot of things. <laughs> I look at this other way. You know, like I know you just read a lot successfully, or I know you just had to understand just recognizing that I spoke a lot. So Josh, I know you just made me say, uh, I just made you say a lot of things, confusing things. This is exactly why this game stayed on my shelf for six months before we tried it. It seems intimidating, but trust me, just like many other Euro games like it, it plays far more intuitively than you'd think. There is no planning seven turns ahead. Uh, you get a hand of cards and play one. That's it. Plus for a game that plays up to seven people, it plays rather quickly. Actually a seven player game plays as quickly as a three. This is because everyone plays at the same time. Give it a try. I highly recommend it. Well, I will buddy. You know, I mean, the Chris came over. I think I mentioned that he popped over in the morning a week or so ago. He showed me like five games and I bought like all five. So you show me something. If I can learn it and it's easy peasy, then I feel confident that, that, uh, I can do it. So, um, last email or sorry, Chris, thank you so much for your email, buddy. And I, uh, Bring it, if, if you're thinking of it, bring it with you on Friday and show me. Maybe I'll get it. Um, my other email comes from Omar. Omar is one of the people that I spoke to via YouTube today. We did uh, comments, then switched to emails, and then we switched to WhatsApp. But Omar wrote in, listening from Dubai. So I've got a listener in fucking Dubai, you guys. Uh, UAE, I'm also just in the process of recording my first episode. And boy, did you nail it when you spoke about how hard it is to get the first episode live. Question, is it worth it? Are you enjoying it? Would you recommend it for someone else? Uh, I know that's a tough question to ask, but hey, throwing out uh, there since you've gone through it and sticking to it. So first question, is it worth it? Um, yes, I, I, I don't say, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be reluctant needlessly. Um, one of the things I like about my podcast is for starters, it's brought me closer to a lot of friends, Chris being one of them. I've got my friends, you know, Vanessa in, in London, my friends, Tiffany in, uh, Lindsay Peterborough. I don't remember exactly where she is, which one of those two, um, 
you know, my, my friends, Jimmy and Mika who listen to the podcast regularly. I don't know if they still listen. They might be, they might be some of those people that fucking checked out or whatever. But, uh, all I know is that it's brought me closer with people who I, I haven't had an opportunity to spend as much time with, but to be able to spend an hour every week and, and chat with the people you know, and tell you guys all where I'm at and what's going on with me. And if anything real big or significant has happened, um, I, I was, I, I was honest with myself originally saying that like, this is just about, you know, me, it's just my public journal kind of thing. Um, but it's allowed me to, you know, I, I I'm enjoying being honest. It's, it's helped me in the sense that my friend, Paul Verzi, uh, who does a podcast, he was the one who told me like, just, you can fuck around with format and you can take your time getting segments and shit like that. Like all those things will come, but don't, don't, uh, don't fuck around with your release. Like always make sure that you have it out at the same time or whatever. Cause people will go somewhere else. If, if your shit, if they can never count on when your stuff's coming out, they'll go somewhere else, which is funny because, cause Paul's stuff ends up late and whatnot at times, but he's also got like, you know, a million downloads or whatever. But, uh, it's I I've been punctual. Like we're, we're getting right near the one year anniversary, which comes in May. So we're, you know, like a month. No, fuck. We're two months away. What the hell's wrong with me? Um, we're getting close though. And, but here's the thing in an entire year, I have never missed my Wednesday deadline, which is why I record so many times late at night on Tuesday, because I want to make sure that I have that, uh, podcast out, uh, just quick little side note. Chris sent me pictures for seven wonders. I meant to say at the beginning so that you guys could look at them while I'm reading that. Of course, it's too late. You've already listened to all that stuff and it's not there. Um, but if you do want to see that, that thing for seven wonders, Chris sent in the pictures, I will post them on social media. Omar, sorry, getting back to your question. Um, I, I think it's worth it. When I talk to my friends, when I get emails from you guys, you know, like I said, even your email today, uh, unexpected as it was, I got to enjoy meeting you and having a conversation with you and getting to know you a little bit. Um, I, I wouldn't have dreamed of that before I, I get to connect with people. It's, it's fun in that regard. Now, um, we had a, a conversation where you're talking about, you're looking to do something a little different. I don't know if it would be worth it to you. Like if it's not a labor of love, um, who knows? Like there's definitely times where like I get home and it'll be like six o'clock like today. I got home. It was later in the evening and I'm like, I should be able to do this. And I, I was so not eager to do it. I know I had to do it tonight. That's the thing is that sometimes it feels like homework. If you have a due date, you have a deadline. You're like, well, I'm not doing anything else until I do this, you know? So I came home tonight. I'm like, I knew I, I knew I had to get it done. I was hoping to have it done by seven or eight. It is 10 after 11 right now, which means, you know, I, I thought I'd be done seven, you know, seven or eight o'clock. I'll, I'll have it all finished. You know, it'll be uploaded by 10 o'clock and then I'll watch a movie long before I even have to think about going to bed. Well, now I'm going to have to finish the podcast, edit it, stick it through Alphonic and upload it. It'll be past midnight and you know, I'll, I'll just go to bed. That'll, that'll have been my whole evening will be the podcast. So, um, I, I enjoy doing it and I, it is worth it to me. It's work though. So like any other work, like make it a labor of love, do something that you want to do and, you know, you see if you can find your own value in it, but I, I enjoy talking to you guys. Um, I'm not going to quit, you know? So if all my, my listeners just slowly dwindle down to nothing, I'm going to keep talking every week until somebody like yourself, Omar stumbles across my podcast out of nowhere, you know, and goes, Oh fuck. I like it. You know? Um, so thank you for, for finding it. Thank you for your kind words. Your other question, are you enjoying it? I, I do. I do. And I think I've, I've listed a bunch of those reasons already. I enjoy doing it because I like connecting again. I like, I like, I think it forces almost a certain type of therapy because I'm, I'm talking, I'm getting shit off of my chest and I'm getting it out to anyone who's listening. 
So I feel like I'm not posturing. I'm not bullshitting. I'm being the, the realest, most honest person I can be. Even when I say things, like I said, that I'm not proud of myself, but at the end of the day, like we all think judgmental thoughts and we all think stupid things at times, you know, we all say stupid things off the cuff that we deserve to be forgiven for, you know, or people need to take a minute and go, you know, I don't really don't think that was the intention behind it. Like, you know, so I say things and I gotta be honest when I'm talking, I'm constantly worried that I said something accidentally that might get me in shit. Like I, I don't have any hate in my heart towards anybody, but I'm always putting my foot in my mouth and I, I do it around friends. So I get forgiven. But when you do it where anybody can listen anywhere in the world and in a, in a, a social climate where everybody's getting in trouble for everything now, it's scary, but I'm still forcing myself to just put it out there because I'm, you know, I, I, I believe in the people who are listening. You know, I, I know who the vast majority of my listenership is at the moment. Um, so it's worth it to me. I enjoy doing it because it forces me to be the person that I want to be, which is an honest, open, you know, I can't just walk around scared. If you, if you operate from a fear, fearful place, nothing good is going to happen. So if I don't, don't do this podcast, because I'm worried about saying something that might offend somebody, or if I share something that's really, you know, important to me or deep with me, and then, you know, I get judged for it or whatever. Like I, I don't, I don't want that to be the thought. And so I just don't do it because the result of me doing this has been, like I said, reconnecting with friends and having people just being really supportive. Like I, I didn't realize I hadn't spoken in a while about like, you know, my whole weight loss, probably because it, it, we got so fucking stagnant. It stayed like it, it became, it didn't move. You know what I mean? Nothing. There was no change. So people were like, Hey, haven't heard an update in your weight loss. And I was like, Oh fuck. Well, you know, I, I care that people not only care, but they've actually taken note. Like they know that nothing has, has changed recently. So, um, anyways, yeah, it's worth it to me. I'm, uh, I'm still enjoying it. And, uh, as much as it's work, as much as I'd love to come home and just jerk off and go to sleep some days, uh, I it's, it's worth every moment that I put into it. And, uh, and I do thank each and every one of you for listening. Um, also just while we're talking about, you know, some of my listeners from all over the place, I I'm getting a lot of downloads in the States. I'm still getting a lot of downloads in the States. I would love for any of my U S listeners to, uh, to please send in an email, contact at one man podcast.com. I'd love to know where you're listening from and how you came across it. You know, even if you don't want me to read it on the air, feel free to to post something in there, but I'd love to just have a little digital handshake with you and, and, you know, know where you're listening and say, thank you for, for the time and effort that you spend with me. Um, your last question is your last question. Are you enjoying it? Would you recommend it for someone else? Uh, I would, if that's, if that's what you want to do. Like I said, if you go, I want to do this because I can make money, you know, I can find sponsors and stuff like I, it's like any other business. A lot of people are like, I want to do this. And I want to make a million dollars. Like all those shit companies, um, <laughs> before certain naming companies that I just called shit, all those companies that sell you on, you know, Hey, if you buy this, if you start with this company, you could just recruit other people underneath you, you recruit 10 people, then they, then they all make this much, then you make this much money and you don't have to do anything. Like there's so many companies, you know, multi-level marketing and all sorts of stuff that sell you even sales They go, if you sell this much, you can make this much money. And the whole idea is they never focus on the work. They never focus on the product. They're just selling you the dream of making the money and all that, that mentality of like, you could make this much money. Look, you could make that much fucking money in just about anything. You can make a fuckload of money in human trafficking. You know, doesn't mean it's a good, like it's, it's, there's, there's money to be made all sorts of different ways in this earth. The idea is, is if you focus on making a good product, 
which I don't. Uh, no, I'm just gonna. If you focus on making a good product, if you focus on doing a good thing, focus on something that you're passionate about, then the money will come. You know, it's 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 an it's an eventuality. If you're focused on, hey, I'm gonna, I can make this much money, and I want to make money right away. Which I again, from the conversation you and I had, I'm not accusing you of that, but just so I could answer this question to as many people possible, is like anything else. You know, like the people who want to become stand up comedians who are like, oh, I want to be like a famous comedian or whatever. If your goal is just to be famous or to make all this money, like you're in it for the wrong reason. You're not focused on the vessel that will do that, which is your hard work and your determination and your passion. That's the shit that, that you can't, that's the, the real, you know, the, the, the honesty and the realism is, you know, you put that, you put all your effort into that shit and the money is going to be an an inevitable, you know, it's an eventuality, it's an inevitable. So. I don't know that I, I would recommend it. If you're something that you're passionate about and you want to share, um, you know, and you're willing to put in the work, fuck. Yeah, man, do it. I suggest any of my listeners, uh, doing a podcast, not hard. If it was hard, I wouldn't be doing it. It just, it's time consuming and you, and you have to give a fuck. And, and like I said, there's weeks, you know, my, my people who've been with me since the beginning, I've got weeks where I didn't have a good week and, I, I just worked a job I didn't like, and I didn't do anything fun and I was tired and somehow I forced myself to talk for an hour, sometimes an hour and a half about it. Like I'm at an hour and 52 right now. And I really, I'm super insecure right now that anybody gave a fuck about anything that I talked about. I hope that some of it was interesting. My throat is getting dry and sore from how much I've spoke, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking. I enjoyed sharing it. And, uh, you know, I, I, what can I say? Do it. If you, if you want to have fun and you want to share something, just, just know you gotta, you gotta plow, you know, plow through. Like I said, I, I'm, I definitely have weeks where I, I sure I lose listeners. They're like, I give one more try. And it just, it was a bad week. You can't, it's not always gonna be great, but I hope to continue to improve. You know, um, there is an old adage. I've shared it before on the podcast where when you're doing stand up, your first 10 times on stage don't matter. You're just getting used to going up, standing in the right place, talking into the microphone, doing your time and then getting off the jokes are, yeah, that's important to an extent. you're trying to learn how to make a joke or whatever, but it really, it's just, can you go up on stage? Can you talk? Can you do your time? Can you not f- make any colossal mistakes? And that's it. Once the first 10 times are the way, cool. You get, you get the muscle memory, the mechanism of getting up and doing it. Then your first hundred times don't matter because now you're learning how to craft a joke and how to edit a joke and how to try it again, a little bit of a different way. So again, you're still just learning the joke or the, the bit of the creative process. So I, I use that same logic to the podcast. The first 10 episodes, I was just learning how to talk for an hour, how to edit, get it uploaded on time, like all the, just the little mechanics. Now I'm, you know, episode 42, I'm in the first 100 episodes learning how to try to make it a little more interesting and see what what people like and what people don't. I use whatever feedback I can get from you guys, whether it's social media or whatever to try to improve, which is why I'm always on my hands and knees begging you to send me an emails because I want to get your guys feedback. I want to know what you like about this show and what you don't, because I will take that information to heart and I will do my best to make it better. Now, when someone messages me and says, I don't like that you talked about this, it's your privilege and all that shit. Well, you know, it's a different story, but effectively, I want to know, are you guys enjoying the stories when I talk about shit that I saw? Like I said, when I, when I give a quick little movie review, um, 
you know, do you guys enjoy it? Like I, I talked about game night very, very briefly. You know, I didn't talk about how the whole movie they're running around trying to save the kidnapped person, you know, and they don't know what's real and what's part of the stage stuff or whatever. It's a, it's a great movie, but I don't want to give any spoilers or, you know, if you guys email in and go, well, we, you know, give us a spoiler alert, give us 30 seconds to skip past it, you know? not 30 seconds, but you know, you know, give us 10 seconds to pause it, you know, if, if we're going to have a spoiler and then, and then if we want to skip past, we can, but otherwise tell us about the fucking movie, you know, give us, give us the, the nitty gritty. I, I just don't know what you guys want. Blah, 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 blah. Still talking. Um, so anyways, what I'm getting at is, um, I love it. I want to make it better all the time. It's worth it to me. Um, and yeah, so contact at one man If any of you want to send anything in, thank you very much for listening guys, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. You can follow the one man podcast. This has been episode number 42. I can't wait to see what nonsense I'm going to run my mouth about next week, but I love you guys. And I love that you're out there listening to it. We'll talk to you soon.